when there's no more room in hell. The dead will start a podcast. You policy son of a bitch! Look what you did! I ought to turn you to scrap metal for this! Hey, I see your identification badge, please. Identification badge? Do not make any sudden moves. Sudden move? I'll give you a sudden move upside in the head! David, are you alright? Yeah, he's alright. He's just a little dead, that's all. Shut up, Jim! Hello everybody, welcome to No More Room in Hell number 31, I'm Mike, joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom, how are you doing Venom? Greetings and salutations, nostalgia lovers, yes, I'm doing pretty good Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, I, t- I-, I was able today to uh, trade out a gas barbecue grill to my parents for their Traeger, um, this has nothing to do with horror at all, but I'm kind of excited because, uh, I'm not much of a gas griller. I, I use charcoal, uh, grills and they kind of gifted me a gas grill uh, like a couple of years ago that they didn't use. And it's been sitting in the backyard, not used. And they bought a Traeger and, uh, little did they know that Traegers are really more for smoking, not barbecuing. So, uh, they decided they didn't have much use for it, so they were going to try to sell it. And I was like, why don't you trade me that and take your gas barbecue grill back? And I got it dropped off today. So I have a vir- – I think they used a Traeger twice. So I have a virtually brand-new Traeger grill in my backyard that I probably would be using now, except for recording this episode. So probably next weekend I'll break it in. But uh, hopefully everyone was entertained by my barbecue Yes, we're all way more fulfilled now that we understand your barbecue adventures. Yes, if anyone has uh, some good barbecue recipes to smoke on a Traeger, please send them in. I'll be happy to accept. But uh, moving right along, also with us, as always, it's Derek. What are you doing, Derek? How's it going? It's my party and I cry if I want to, cry if I want to. Oh, yeah. I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. I hope you won't be crying unless it's tears of joy, though, because t- this episode is your pick, so maybe you will be uh, very joyful. Yeah, 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 you know, you know, I always pick the, the the good stuff. You know, it's not like, you know, when you picked eating alive and kill a crocodile. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we managed to have some fun with those movies. <laughs> Uh, well, we did. Venom was like, look at here. Why did you make me watch this fucking movie, Michael? <laughs> I wasn't that bad. <laughs> That's Theme Warriors. Yeah, I saved the scorn on my picks for Theme Warriors. Well, ideally. Um, yeah. Only because it's almost become a running gag on that show that I pick something everybody hates every single time. So, um, All right, well, I will move right along to some special returning guests. They should be known by anyone who listens to this show, anyone who listens to horror podcasting in the last decade. Um, they had a heavy presence that's uh, gone away, and I guess I'll say a semi-retirement. They're not completely gone from the scene. Uh, they've shown up here and there. Uh, but they are gracing us with a guest spot here. We know and we love them. It's Jamie and Brian Sammons, my former co-host on Evil Episodes as well as many other shows. Jamie, Brian, welcome back. So glad to have you. How are you guys doing? Hello, horror fans. 
I've been dying to say that again. It's been so long. I am uh, I am super excited to be here. Thank you so much. It's uh, yeah, we've been kind of quiet. The mic has gone dark for the most part, but we do still pop up on occasion here and there. And uh, I'm pleased that uh, X has come back into the podcasting fold, and he and Cootie have invited me to do a show with them as well this week. So. Uh, for listeners of Kiss the Goat, you'll get to hear me twice. Uh, whether that's a, a blessing or a curse, that's up to you. But it's going to happen. Hello, everybody. And hi, Mike. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> uh, it's going well. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, even though you guys have cut way back on the podcasting itself, the good thing is you've still been around. You know, social media presence is what it is. Everyone kind of figures out how much or how little they want to be on it for good reason. But you've been around enough where people are still kind of aware of what you guys are watching, what you're getting into. And you're kind of keeping it at that, which really isn't a bad idea to, to be honest. Now, it probably makes Brian for a makes better sure time. Keep everyone updated on our watch list, whether they want to know or not. <laughs> and actually it's more so for us because it is insane how many times he'll mention a movie or somebody else will mention a movie. And I'm like, Oh, we haven't watched that yet. And he's like, yes, we did. I'm like, what? What was it about? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, my, since I don't really podcast anymore, my, uh, my retention for <laughs> things like that, that I used to try to keep up with, I just don't like at the, at the end of the year, um, you had asked me and Moose had asked me, you know, what would be your top five of the year? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Like, I don't even know what I watched. I remember, <laughs> Jamie, you're like, uncaged. That's my number one. Let's do this. <laughs> That's true. I, now, I, I, and as the conversation went on, it was funny because I was like, oh, yeah, there's this one. Oh, yeah. And then 30 minutes later, I was Jamie Jenkins and the thing all over the place. So it was like, you know, there's, there's, um, oh, yeah, this thing, too. Oh, yeah, we did watch this. And, but it's just I didn't have, I didn't make a list last year because there was nowhere to put it. And, I was like, there was a, there's a certain amount of freedom involved with that. I mean, I had made a top 10 list every single year since 2004. And that was the first year I hadn't done it. And I was, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself, but it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like me when I stopped doing YouTube, I'm like, oh, I just, I just put these movies away now. I don't have to do updates anymore. It's great. <laughs> It doesn't look like an episode of Hoarders, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Okay. Well, now that we got introductions out of the way and have welcomed Jamie and Brian back, we will do what we always do at the beginning, catch up on a few things we've been watching. So, Venom, I'll throw it to you first. What do you got uh, going on with uh, your watches? I don't watch movies. <laughs> Oh, um, I did watch a couple, though. Here we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about today is called The History of the Occult. Uh, it is a film out of um, Argentina. Sorry, I'm a little behind, so I didn't have it ready to look at, but here we go. Uh, let's see. Where are we? Damn it. Anyway, uh, this film is uh, shot in black and white. It is um, very reminiscent of the WNUF Halloween special or Ghost Watch, if you guys are familiar with those Ooh. movies. 
Um, it is set in a television studio um, during uh, a show, a program that's called 10 Minutes to Midnight. And what that show is, is basically like a, in, a news investigation show, you know, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, uh, you know, style programming. Um, and it is basically their last show. They have been canceled and this is their last show that they're airing. Um, but they decide for their final episode that they're going to try to do something really shocking where they, uh, they're going to try to expose the president of Argentina as being a member of a coven, of a witch coven. Um, and I'm not going to get into any more than that because, uh, the movie kind of, the movie, it's definitely going to be an acquired taste. Like I said, um, it doesn't quite have the excellent pacing of a WNUF. Uh, basically, it's a, it's an hour long program. The pro, not the movie. Uh, the movie is about an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, the program that we're watching is a one hour program. And whenever the program is actually on the air, we're watching that program at the same time. But uh, when it goes to a commercial break, then we're watching other members of the group that are working with the host of that show to try to expose this um, pretty deep conspiracy. Um, they're basically trying to say that, like, the president of Argentina went to college with a guy who later on became uh, the head of an evil church. Um and basically that they think that the president has benefited from dark or black magic um, in the sense that maybe he won an election because of it, other things like that, that he's basically advanced his political career by use of black magic. Um, the, the film is in Spanish, uh, unfortunately, so of course you're going to have to watch subtitles. I myself absolutely loved it. We all know how much I love Spanish horror. It is, uh, I mean, I'm not from Argentina. My family's from Spain, but... Um, still to, to hear, you know, Castilian Spanish spoken so clearly, it's wonderful. Nothing against my Mexican brothers and sisters. I love, I love your Latin Spanish, but when I get to hear, you know, proper Castilian Spanish in films, it just makes my heart go flutter. Um, I'm going to assume no one's watched this because this film officially doesn't have an American release yet. It is currently making the rounds, uh, on festivals, um, it may have gotten an official release in Argentina. I can't seem to find anything. So uh, the only thing I can find is that it's doing a festival run right now. So that is the history of the occult from Argentina 2021. And like I said, the runtime is just under an hour and 20 minutes. Um, like I said, I'm going to assume no one here has seen it. No, but I am definitely intrigued. Yeah, it's a great little movie. Um, I was able to get a screener of it uh, from a friend of mine who writes for horror publications, and he was able to share the, the link with me, and I fell in love with the film. Now, I will fully admit that the ending is going to be very, very divisive. This is going to be another one of those endings where some people are going to look at it and think, well, that was stupid. Other people are going to look at it and think, well, that was brilliant. Um, as I mentioned, the movie is shot in black and white, but there is color utilized throughout the film. And I love the way that they utilize that color um, to the point that by the time you get to the end of the movie, you get a bright, colorful uh, final scene inside the TV studio. But um, yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it because this is definitely the definition of, uh, you know, under discussed gem. Like I said, it's 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 not even officially out yet, which is part of the reason I was very happy to talk about it here. Hell, I might be breaking some kind of uh, non-disclosure act right now, but I don't care. Uh, this movie, uh, I feel, needs to be discussed. Um, it's going to be another 
um, the witch, basically, you know, some people found the witch boring, some people found it absolutely brilliant, so depending on what side of the fence you fall on that film, A24 films in general, you may fall on that same side of the fence for History of the Occult. Okay, well then I'm definitely in because you know if you, I don't know if you've listened to any of the A24 series that I yes. that we're doing on podcasts under the series, but that is right in my wheelhouse. Also, I have in recent years had some really good experiences with Argentinian films specifically, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, written and directed by Christian Ponce, um, who. Um, hasn't really done anything English language. Um, big surprise there. Um, but he has directed since 2012. He's got a few titles under his uh, belt, and you can definitely see the 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 um, the stellar filmmaking there. Like I said, I don't want to talk the film up too much because you know, I might is people might get disappointed when they finally get to watch it. But for whatever it's worth. If the movie does get an official 2021 release in America, it is automatically in my top five for the year. As it's officially not gotten in a, a release yet, I'm just going to kind of sit on it for a little bit and see. Because um, even if it doesn't get a U.S. release this year, but it, um, they do officially announce it as uh, for Argentina, I might count it for my list. I know it kind of goes against um, what we generally agree on as far as here in America. You know, like, you know, is it released in North America? Can we see it easily? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but this, I, I just fell in love with this movie. I fell in love with the characters. I mean, it, 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 the movie's filled with likable characters. You know, you don't have the horror hierarchy here. You know, of the douchebag and you know whatever else. Um, uh, everybody's likable. You don't really want to see anyone come to any harm. Um, hell, even the 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 kind of evil uh, war, uh, warlock. He claims to be a warlock anyway. Even he's somewhat likable. So go figure. So yeah. Um, I would give this a uh, moderate to strong recommend once it is released. And, of course, I will let everyone know when that happens. If a release date is announced, I'll make sure to put it on all my social media. And I'm sure we'll bring it up here again. Once again, that is History of the Occult from Argentina. Well, all i got to say is I haven't seen the film yet, Venom, but from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's based on my life story. <laughs> Wow, you show? have such a vast life experience from all of the times that I've seen all these movies. Like earlier today, The Blair Witch Project, based on your life story. That's a, that's a shout out to Kate Paul. Like it's an ongoing. That is, yeah. <laughs> that amazes me. <laughs> VFWs based on my life. <laughs> Derek's a grizzled veteran. I'm like, I lived it. I grew up with Stephen Lang. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to be uh, kept in the know about when this is available to watch because I know you brought it up kind of before, I think, in passing. And mm-hmm. it sounds like something I would definitely be interested in uh, based on everything you've said. Um, you know, yeah, whether or whether I'll like it as much as you or not, we will not will not know until I watch it. But it definitely sounds like the type of movie that I'm all in on. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, it, it, it's black and white. It's slower paced. Um, it, it's it's going to be a, a divisive uh, type of movie. I'm not even sure how big a release it's going to get. I mean, this could be a true independent film from Argentina that probably barely makes it out of the country. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to stand for this while I can. Okay, I'm the first to do it. Hell, maybe <laughs> Shutter will pick it up. Maybe. Yeah. 
Oh, that'd be great. Oh, I would love it. <laughs> Maybe uh, good old uncorked entertainment. <laughs> oh, crap. Snatch it from... Hey, sometimes they have some hidden gems in Uncore. Like, you know, like Crawl or Die. That was a pretty fun one that they did. Cannibal Club was pretty decent, I thought. I love an uncorked production. Didn't, didn't they do that with Antrim film, too? Wasn't that yep, Uncorked? Another yep. great one. Oh, yeah. God, I love Antrim. Yeah. Love it. I don't know what it's about, but I love it. <laughs> I've seen it twice, and I have no idea what it's about, but I love it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, dig I could it, go though. on for days just about the the score alone. Yeah. My, my thing is, like, I'm like Charlie Day in that episode of Sunny in Philadelphia where I am just have, like, the whole room covered with red string trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> oh... All right, Derek, you're up next. What do you got for your first well, one? Well, I'm going hard with my first one. I'm bringing in some trash because I got in the Andy Milligan box set from Severin Films. So I checked out one of my favorite guilty pleasures, the ghastly ones on Blu-ray. It's If you haven't seen an Andy Milligan film before, you're in for a ride because... Those are some type of movies. <laughs> because, you know, he tried to make good movies, but he didn't have the fucking budgets or, like, even the actors and like, the effects, you know, like, I even think some of the blood's actually, like, red cloth from, like, the theater, you know. Uh, it's cheesy, good. I, You know, Andy Milligan's, like, one of those guilty pleasure directors for me where, you know, it's just cinema trash when you watch one of his movies and, you know, you just can't take your eyes off of it, even though you know it's like, I think it's like the same thing that like we do with like Herschel Gordon Lewis, where, you know, I wouldn't just argue with somebody if they said that his movies were terrible, but I just enjoy watching some trashy cinema sometimes. And Andy Milligan's like one of those directors where he's like the definition of trash, you know, like everything that he did. And it's kind of sad when you actually look back into like his life is like his last days because it ended pretty fucking sad for him. And yeah, it's uh, ghastly ones is one of those ones that, uh, it's like a whodunit, like a group. It's kind of like that old dark house scenario where a group of people are in a house and somebody's picking them off one by one, but done so poorly. Like you could even see like modern cause it's supposed to be like a period piece too. But you can see, like, modern buildings in the background of the sets. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's something. You, you got to see it to believe it. I actually seen this years ago because something weird video put it out. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's just a ride. Uh, trash cinema at its finest. Great special features on the release, too. There's a commentary. They pour it over, like, most of the features from the something weird disc. Plus, there's some new ones too, like uh, and I, I'm just kind of shocked at the how nice this set is in general for Andy Milligan because it's just crazy because Stephen Thrower actually wrote a whole book. It's kind of insane uh, the work and craftsmanship of this set, but uh, yeah, the gassy ones. If you like trashy stuff, check it out. I wouldn't I keep recommend thinking you're saying the gassy ones. The ghastly one. <laughs> and I'm like, that just doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> uh, That's a different type of movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It's not, That's a whole different fetish. <laughs> it is. It's not my favorite Milligan film either. I think The Body Beneath is probably his best movie because it's kind of like his deal with like vampirism in a way. In a sense with that, even though the vampires are like blue face, and they talk about, hello there, how are you doing today? But they have like that auto Oh, they're blue effect. face, but they talk like blue hairs? <laughs> <laughs> well, well I'm, I can't really do it because I don't have like that kind of like the auto. It kind of sounds like they're auto toned when they talk. Oh. You know, weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But uh, yeah, he's made some interesting movies, even though he didn't have like the money or budgets to make them. But you can see like he tried to make a good. You know, you he, he's like one of those kind of filmmakers of where I say he tried more than like say. HGL because HGL like when you listen to him like documentaries I just wanted to make this movie because it would probably make money yeah he didn't give a shit about the art of filmmaking he just wanted to make some cash yeah. which you know whatever I I respect the hustle and I still am a big fan of yeah. Herschel Lord and Lewis films even if he didn't give a shit <laughs> um okay uh, we will kick it over to Brian and Jamie then, if you got something. Well, let's see. Most recent, well, okay, not most recently, but fairly recently, and probably the newest thing we've watched, other than the In Search of Darkness doc, I guess, is uh, What Lies Below. And this is one of those rando movies that you find on Netflix. It just kept popping up. Uh, the little preview for it kept popping up whenever I go to Netflix. It has, um... Mina Savari, and, um, well, that's it, And uh, as far as names go. And it's basically, I thought it was going to be like, it seemed like it was going to be like sort of like an offshoot Lifetime movie, just with a little snippet that you see, because it's she and her daughter pulling up to a lake house, and then her hot-ass boyfriend is coming out of the lake water, all shirtless and drippy. And um, she's introducing him to her daughter. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be like some kind of thriller. And it goes places that I wasn't expecting it to go. And it ends up being pretty horrific. I liked it quite a bit. I think it was pretty original, even though probably by like midway through, at least you kind of you know where it's going. But the fact that. You don't know that going in, um, and it just so it completely surprised me from from what I thought it was going to be about. Um, that I appreciate. And some people may have seen the video that I posted on my Facebook page. I made a little video because there's a scene. Well, throughout the film, the daughter is drinking Diet Cola. It looks like Diet Coke. And there is a scene that they do in the movie where she's looking out her bedroom window and she has just taken a drink of her diet cola. And then the boy, the mom's boyfriend comes out of the woods, stops like right beneath her window and takes off his shirt. And it's very reminiscent of that old diet Coke commercial. You know, it's the, it's 1130, it's 1130, it's break time <laughs> where all the women crowd around the window to watch the construction guy take his 1130 diet Coke break where he takes off his shirt. Um, and I know I, I just feel like that had to be on purpose. So that got a little bit of a chuckle out of me. That just seems like a very random reference, but I thought it was cool. 
don't know. Overall, this was the I was surprised, like pleasantly surprised by this film, and I would recommend it. I liked it a little bit less than you. Um, I found it very distracting that the woman, and she is a woman, they got to play the girl. Oh, yeah, she's twenty-seven, and she's playing a fifteen-year-old. And she definitely looks like she's 27, especially in the face. So whenever she's running around, I'm just a little girl. I'm like, no, you're not. Um, yeah, and there's a scene, and the re- they don't actually say 15, but the reason I landed on 15 was because... She don't have a license. When they're going up to the lake house, her mom pulls over, and she's like, hey, do you want to drive? And the girl's like, don't I need a permit? And I'm like, whoa, how old are you? <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then she has a, a best friend who does drive over, so she might be like sixteen. But it's uh, well, it's it's pretty obvious that she's yeah. Older it's than not that. like they did anything too scandalous with her. It's not like they had her nude or in sexual situations or something. There's a little bit of the whole you know girl becoming a woman, and I can understand that. But I, I just. You're not 15. You, you could don't have look an, They could have gotten an 18-year-old to play yeah. the part. There's no... And and she's not a bad actress or anything no, like that. It just, it was distracting that she clearly wasn't a teenager. As far as the whole story goes, the the twist and uh, the reveal, I kind of saw that coming uh, a long way off. So it was one of those things where you're just waiting for the movie to catch up with you. Yeah, but I still like the way they did it. I found it was interesting. It was okay. And like but I said, yeah, you, you do see it coming. Yeah, but. I just, I didn't think it was anything revolutionary. No, it was just, it was entertaining. And the, I, mainly, I just give them credit for coming off like something completely different and totally taking me off guard when I did realize what was happening. Because, like I said, I thought it was going to be like some... Lifetime movie through. I thought it was going to be a movie that after we got finished watching it, Brian was going to be like, why the hell did you make me watch that? Um, and, you know, it ended up being something totally different. So I give the, I mean, I give him credit for that. You know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And it had a few decent scenes, but overall, for me anyways, it was a moderately decent film. I do feel like, though, that the fact that it looks like what I thought it was going to be is going to probably keep a lot of people from watching it. Because horror fans aren't going to naturally gravitate to it because they're not going to think it's a horror film. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that that Lucky McKee movie that came out a few years ago with like Thor Burton and Kindred Spirits. It has like the most like lifetime cover art, you know, but it's not like that at all when you watch it. It's like, it, yeah, like you know, it's like. They have, like, some weird movies like that where it's like, oh, this looks like it might be a Lifetime movie, but it's not, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I think that is, that is detrimental to the film, and, and it's sad. But I do recommend it. I think people should check it out. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I'll, well, that sounds interesting. I'll check it out eventually. All right. Cool. Yeah, I have heard of that. I ha- I haven't seen it. Um and Mina Savari, I guess, yeah, I guess she still is working then. If she, <laughs> I haven't heard a bunch from her lately, but uh, maybe she's just kind of been more in the indie scene lately. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what she's been doing, honestly. I don't know if I've seen her in anything since the Day of the Dead remake. Yeah, <sighs> that that would do it. Yeah, that maybe that that'll kill any reason career. why she hasn't been around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, my first one I got is a little movie called Jacob's Wife with 
the legendary <gasps> Barbara Crampton. Um, this is a you know a smaller uh, indie movie vampire flick. Um, you know the general idea is she Barbara Crampton's kind of playing like a bored housewife, just kind of coasting through the life she settled into. You kind of pick up the vibe that you know she's just she's content, I guess, with life, but probably dreams about what could have been. You know, if she hadn't gotten. So, or if she hadn't settled down, if she would have kind of done her own thing, and then you know something takes place, you know I won't give too many details because it still is relatively a new movie. Um, I think this is one of the ones where like we considered doing on fresh cuts. I don't even want to say we necessarily won't ever do it. It's just it came out at a time where a handful of other indie movies came out, and it just didn't happen to be the one we chose at the time. No particular reason. Um, so I'll try to be short on details. But I I ended up liking this one like a lot more than I expected to. I, I thought the performances were good. I thought the story was was interesting um i liked how they kind of navigated her uh, i, I kind of like how they did the whole blessing curse thing of being turned into a vampire especially for a housewife character that she wasn't looking to just you know become this ruthless aggressive vampire once uh turn and you know it kind of reminded me a little uh, i'm sure everyone has seen it um or at least some of it the what was the Netflix show uh, with Drew Barrymore, the comedy where the sure, she became like an untouchable? Santa Clarita Diet, correct. It kind of felt like a similar premise to that, where you introduce like something horrific into like the life of a suburbanite kind of family dynamic, and them trying to uh, navigate what that means going forward for them. Um, and yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. I. I I have a feeling like this isn't going to be for everyone. There's going to be some people who maybe there's just not enough going on it for them. But I think, you know, if you're able to get into the story, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. And it turned out to be a pretty decent uh, movie by the time it was over. So with that said, has anybody else here seen Jacob's Wife yet? No. Yeah. Yep. I oh, love I heard two yes. <laughs> I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I think Brian liked it a little bit less than me. No, I don't know. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it had a very classic feel to it, especially with the whole vampire motif and all that. It, it seemed like they were using classical vampires as opposed to putting their new spin on them or doing something totally strange or different with it. Um, yeah. I, I love seeing Barbara Crampton back. Oh, she was phenomenal. And she and Larry Fessenden played off each other yeah. so mm-hmm. well. Plus, you get a little bit of Robert Russler in the very beginning for about yes. five minutes, and that's always nice. But uh, I won't say why, but I love what they did with The Master. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that I just thought was fantastic. I was in love with it. I really was. It's probably going to be one of my top movies of the year. Yeah, it is right I, now. Yeah, and I really like the arc of their relationship, like their marriage, because the way the story was going, it it when Barbara Crampton's character 
got turned, it kind of felt like that crossroads in the movie. Like either she can kind of go wild and say, okay, here's the freedom I've been seeking from my, you know, mundane routine life. But really as the movie went on from that point, and by the time we get to the third act and kind of as the movie's concluding, she kind of reinforces her commitment to the marriage. And she kind of realizes like, you know, everything's not perfect. Not everything about my life is what I thought it would be. But she really chooses her husband and marriage and all that over, um, the, I guess you could say, the gifts you know she, she was given by being turned. And I thought that was a nice touch because these days a lot of movies go in the other direction, which I was kind of expecting just to oh, just because that's too. where we've been going. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to make like a... I guess 180 back to, you know, the strength of the marriage and the relationship. But I, I felt, I actually felt it kind of refreshing for something in this era to go that route. And maybe it's cause I'm old and married now and see the benefit in that. But, um, I love yeah, the moment when you I thought it was see touching. their passion reignited, mm-hmm. you know, like you actually see the very moment that that happens. And it's very, it, it is touch as well. Um, being married myself, I, that, I, I, you know, basically I just mirror everything you said. I did find it refreshing. I, I did expect it to go a completely different direction and I found it kind of nice that they, that they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and when I say Santa Clara died, obviously that show was much more like comedically skewed, but it, it, kind of reminded me of like you know a situation came up to totally throw like the family out of whack and but the family committed to drew barrymore in her in her cannibalistic ways i guess you could say uh you know very different frame of pure comedy with some gore but you know really just comedic so the setting in jacob's wife much smaller scale you know but still um it was it was kind of a touching you know wrap up to that movie. So you know if if we ever end up doing it on Fresh Cuts, we'll totally get into details and all that kind of stuff. But I'll leave it at kind of what I I said now. And since uh, Derek and Venom haven't seen it, um, of course I saw it. You know oh, I thought you, I thought you, you already said talked no. about it. <laughs> I thought you said no. I um, didn't answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the only one that didn't see it. My co-host recognizes my voice. (laughs) Uh, I I recognize your voice, Venom. It's okay. I I, I only recognize it when you're yelling at me. No, I'm just kidding. All right, Venom, uh, share some thoughts on it then. Oh, Jacob's Wife. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I I think I liked it about as much as, um, well, definitely Willis. I mean, maybe not as much as Willis, because I think Willis declared it his number one movie of the year, which I'm not quite that high on it. Um, well, I, also I fucking love this movie. Yeah. There you go. It wasn't boring. That was and not boring. <laughs> it wasn't The Witch of Midsummer. I liked it. It was titties. <laughs> but no, I, I genuinely enjoyed uh, Jacob's uh, Jacob's wife. I would also recommend anybody out there, any horror fans who have not seen it and have an interest in watching it, watch it with your significant other. It, it's it's a cool experience, especially if you actually care about your significant other. If if you're on the brink of divorce, then no, don't bother. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Happily married couple and you're into horror, I would recommend Jacob's wife. I think it's a great uh, husband and wife watch. 
Oh. Yeah, if, if you're hiding those papers to be signed by your significant other, you might roll your eyes at the third act. But for exactly. everyone else, <laughs> everyone else, you'll probably like, uh, grab their hand or put your arm around their shoulder, or yeah. even maybe more. Who knows? But uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Besides me, besides, besides Derek, but uh, he's neutral on it since he has. <laughs> All right, then I'm back to you. I was going to say, uh, I actually liked Jacob's Wife better than the other vampire movie uh, that we talked about recently. But to find out what that is, you'll have to listen to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. Ha! Shameless plug. All right. Um, next on what I've been watching, uh, the first movie I brought up was one of, uh, one of the higher... Uh, one of the movies I held in higher regard for 2021. Now I'm going to come in with something that I can't stand. Um... It may be my worst film of 2021 thus far, but I'm talking about it here today, hopefully so that you guys can avoid wasting an hour and 40 minutes of your life like I did. Um, And that movie is The Resort. Um, Just released on VOD not too long ago, um, only about a week or two ago. Um, Written and directed by Tyler Chen, Um, basically four friends head to Hawaii to investigate a haunted uh, slash abandoned resort that has, you know, paranormal activity, blah, blah, blah. Um, What can I say about this movie? I I just did not enjoy this movie at all. There was just about nothing about it. The only thing that was nice was the cinematography. But when you're shooting in Hawaii, how hard is it to have good cinematography? You just point the camera in any direction. You're going to get a beautiful location shot. So, Um, But yeah, just about everything about this movie, the characters, the dialogue, the the kills, what little there are in the film. even the legend of the half-faced girl, which is basically what they're going to investigate. Um, there was a girl that was raped and murdered at this ho- at this resort. She is now known as the half-faced girl because of damage that she received to her face during her attack. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know. I mean, there might be some millennial horror fans out there that like this, but I just found it insipid. Just a, a movie filled with vapid characters that add nothing to the plot, storyline, anything at all. Um, it, it's a pretty movie. You know what I mean? Like when you watch it, it's like, well, yes, the, the person who made this knows how to make movies, but the same person who directed it also wrote it. And that's where the biggest problems with the film lies is it in its writing. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's the worst thing I've ever seen, but it is easily the worst thing I've seen in 2021. Um, currently available on VOD, though I would strongly recommend to avoid it. Um, if it pops up on Shutter or Netflix, I still wouldn't recommend it because it's still, even though the movie is only the movie's only an hour and fifteen minutes long, and I still won't recommend it. So, Damn. you know, take take that as you will. But yeah, that is the Resort twenty twenty one. I did not like it. It is easily the second worst movie of the year for me. Potentially the worst. I would say I'd have to rewatch it to uh, figure that out, but there's no way in hell I'm rewatching this movie. So there you go. What was? What is your current seated worst movie of the year? Um. See, I kind of feel bad about this because my current worst movie of the year is an SRS Cinemas film, and anybody who knows SRS knows they're not really intending to make good films. You know, they're purposely making you know low budget. 
um, sometimes direct to video or not direct to video, shot on video, um, just you know, schlock fests. Um, the movie I'm talking about is Virus Shark. Um, Virus Shark, I, I literally laughed through the entire movie. So as a comedy, it worked, absolutely. As a horror film, it fails miserably. But as I said, if you're a fan of SRS cinema, if you're a fan of stuff out of the asylum, like the Sharknado movies, it might be up your alley. But it just, I, I had a hard time uh, really getting into it. Um, the comedy wasn't working for me. The characters were all insipid, awful people. Um, I don't know. I, the only reason I put the resort above Virus Shark is that the resort looks like it was shot on an actual real camera, as opposed to Virus Shark that looks like it was shot on an iPhone 4. <laughs> Goddamn Mark Polonia. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is all SRS cinema films, they have their charm. You know, I'm, I'm not literally sitting here saying these are some of the worst movies ever made. No, like I said, they make these movies with that camp intent in there. Um, you know, they're yeah. making films for people who like schlocky cinema, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you love it, rock on. But, you know, I, as a podcaster, I feel like I still have to review this at the same context as every other horror movie that I review. So, you know, if I, if I do that, then I have to put Virus Shark at the bottom. But Virus what did Shark you find had worse? 10 times the charm that the resort had, for whatever that's worth. What's worse, Virus Shark or Exorcism at 65? thousand feet oh virus shark um oh, really? again okay. exorcism at sixty thousand feet looked like it was intentionally made they, they were trying to make a good movie when you watch virus shark there's nothing about the movie that says oh these people were trying to make a good movie like some i mean some of the stuff is so tongue-in-cheek you could almost see the actors looking at each other and smirking it's it's funny. So, like I said, if you're into that kind of stuff, Virus Shark might be right up your alley. I'd love to see what Don and Ellie had to I say was going to say, so, so in other words, like it's Don's number one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I was on enough substances, I would really like Virus Shark. Um, but, yeah, I, I just couldn't get into it. Like I said, but if you like SRS films like Rigo and She Kills and stuff like that, it's it's up that same alley. So, you know, I would still say if you're a fan of that style, check it out. But the resort, because it is a larger I, – I say larger budget. It's not like it's a blockbuster. But compared to Virus Shark, it basically is a blockbuster as far as how much money they spent on it. And it still fails on every uh, – aspect of the film so yeah the resort and virus shark two major not recommends from me <laughs> uh, all right oh, oh speaking of the resort since that was your actual um yeah our actual original pick is i was almost going to watch that i think it was like two or three weeks ago but like before I had hit play on it, uh, Jason Lloyd, you know, how he'll do his posts about what sure. he watches. He was pretty negative on it too. And I even posted on his thread. I was like, well, you just saved me from watching it, I guess, because, um, I was about to watch it. And it wasn't that like, you know, it was more that case of, I was kind of browsing through titles and I was like, Oh, the synopsis sounds kind of interesting. It wasn't like I had rented it and I was dead set on watching it. So it was more kind of like loose on my wall watch list and so with you now giving that reaction i'm like well the only two people i've heard say anything about it has been 
And so uh, I guess I will continue to not watch it for now, at least. There you go. <laughs> it's oh, interesting, okay. too, because of the two movies, like um, Virus Shark has a terrible movie poster, but it fits the movie. It kind of lets you know exactly what you're getting into. With the resort, the movie poster is actually pretty nice. Like it looks yeah, like that's it, what caught my attention initially. Exactly. Think, yes, so. the same thing. That do not disturb tag with the blood on it. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it it, it totally you know it it pops when you're looking at a screen of just you know movie poster after movie poster. That one sticks out. When I saw that the runtime was only seventy five minutes, I'm like, yeah, how bad could it be? Uh, it can be damn bad. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely picking a next episode. I guess choose. No. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Make it like watch that shit. Make that an exploding heads Patreon pick. No, I, I I'm I'm their guest in August. I can't do that. Oh, okay. Well, after August. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, Derek. What else you got? Well, as you can tell, I haven't really been watching a lot of new things lately because I've been fucking busy with a lot of podcast prep, as you can see. But I did watch a few Shut Your Brain Off movies recently. And one that I wanted to check out for a while, because I got this Bad Larry Blu-ray in from the Target sale, that magnificent Target sale that always happens. Mm-hmm. And this one is directed by my Greek father, Nico Mascarakis, and it's known <laughs> as Nightmare at Noon. Nice! Yeah. Uh, pretty much, the hilarious thing is, this movie's kind of like the movie Mutant, and it even has two of the same actors from you in, in it. Stars Wings Hauser and Bo Hopkins. And of course, uh, George Kennedy's also in this movie. And pretty much the movie's about uh, this kind of experiment that happens to this town where this town gets actually quarantined and infected with this strange green like virus thing that they put in the water supply that if you drink water, you get infected with it. Uh, pretty much what ends up happening is they end up becoming like super strong, crazy people that have green blood now because the color of the chemicals green and it's up to Wings Hauser and Bo Hopkins, uh, to save the day with the help of the local sheriff who may or may not be infected, played by George Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> it's a fucking blast, man. It's action packed, you know, Wings Hauser's fucking hilarious in the movie. I love that Bo Hoskins is like a 50-year-old man and he gets like a young babe to fall in love with at the end of the movie. It's, oh, he gets, he has the Tom Atkins syndrome. He does, you know, he just is so <laughs> badass right at the beginning of the movie. Uh, it's a fun ride. I mean, if you like Brian James, the character actor, he plays a, the bad guy and he's an albino in this movie. The albino. They never gave him a name. They just call him the albino. <laughs> it's great. It's great. He doesn't barely say a word, but it's crazy to see Brian James as an albino riding a horse with a machine gun. If you want to see that, this is the movie for you. And uh, crazy movie scored by a young Hans Zimmer, which is weird because Hans Zimmer actually got to start with Nico Mascarakis. So uh, then went on to do. Oscar win scores. It's insane when you think about that. But uh, 
Yeah, it's a blast. I had a blast with it. Uh, Venom, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing you've seen it before. What did you think of multiple it? Multiple times in multiple formats. Um, the first time I saw this, it was actually a Rift Tracks movie. Um, uh, the, the Mystery Science Theater guys did a riff of this, and I, I fell in love with the movie because of that riff. Now, I have watched it subsequently multiple times without uh, the Rift Tracks audio on it, and it's it's still such a great little movie. Um, it's just fun, you know. I can't really say I I love the scene with the guy in the pickup truck who can't stop laughing and he's like bleeding green shit all over his face. And just, then he blows his son away with a shot. Yeah, he killed his own son. <laughs> Dad, come home with me and mom. <laughs> no, this movie's great. I mean, not, you know, great is a stretch. Obviously, this is definitely a guilty pleasure. It's uh, nothing. No movie critic would watch this and give it an A by any stretch, but I, this is so fun. And like I said, the first time I saw it was with Rift Tracks, so maybe that kind of jaded me a little bit. And now I just because I that that ends up happening with me a lot when I watch movies on Rift Tracks that I have never seen before. Uh, Tourist Trap is another example. I I had never seen Tourist Trap until Rift Tracks released their riff of it. And now I watch it almost annually. So, yeah, credit to the Rift Tracks and Mystery Science Theater guys for turning us on to stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 and, you know, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say Nico Mascarakis as a director made, like, masterpiece movies. Like, he did Island of Death back in, like, the early 70s you know Ooh, great one. yeah you know and then he went on to do like uh i think that's one of brian's loves don't you love island of death yeah yeah <laughs> it, yeah it's it's like a te- it's just we actually talked about that recently on that uh list show of with the, yeah the list of legends and you know yeah it, like it's just crazy that he like he saw a texas chainsaw he's like i want to make a movie like that and then he made island of death you know <laughs> it's like way more fucked up than texas chainsaw <laughs> <laughs> what know? was the title of this one? I missed the title, Night- but Nightmare at Noon. Okay, because uh, there, are, uh, I feel like I must have seen it. It sounded very familiar, and there are probably very few Wings Hauser films I haven't seen because I love him. Um, and I know it's not, when you were talking about it, I'm like, I know I've seen that movie. I know I have. Yeah, it's but- weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it, it kind of has a similar plot to the movie Mutant, which also stars yes. Wings, Wings Hauser yes, and Bo Hopkins, you know. But uh, so that would be actually a good like double feature when you watch these two movies. <laughs> Scream Factory, we're looking at you. Make a yeah. make a two pack. <laughs> uh, actually, the, somebody the night, just put out Mutant. I feel like what did Code Red did. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got that. Uh, that was a movie that the first time I saw that, I reviewed it when it came out on DVD 150 years ago. And I got it for review, and I'd never seen it before. And I was like, oh, Wings Hauser, okay. And because uh, even back then, I loved them. And um, uh, it's just, I always really like it. I have a soft spot for that movie. Yeah, I like it too. You know, and I, I'll, I'll say is like, just don't go into that movie thinking you expect what you see on the cover of Mutant. But, yeah, <laughs> no. you know, because that's kind of a misleading cover, which a lot I of have that movie. on a T-shirt. <laughs> and great... actually, when I bought the T-shirt, I, I didn't know the movie. I bought it just because it said Mutant. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. And then years later, I see the movie and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I guess yeah, it... you liked it, assuming you liked it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great poster art, but it's misleading as all hell. But I, I still enjoyed the movie for whatever reason because I kind of knew going into it it wasn't about that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So that, so I had that knowledge. But yeah, Nightmare on Noon was a blast. Like it has albino Brian James, so that that's enough to watch it. You, you know, know what breaks that's my a, heart is recently I learned that I don't know. Well, I don't remember exactly how recently, but uh, that Wings Hauser was horrible to work with and he was nothing but trouble he was he caused a lot of trouble apparently he was really always i think one of the he was on coke all the time he was on uh and it just that breaks my heart because (laughs) i just always liked him what's that really phenomenal wingshauser movie where he's the pimp who's the killer it's Uh, really squad squad. yeah oh my god ramrod he is so good in that, and uh, it it just it breaks my heart though to find out that he was like a who was it? It was somebody I forget who the director was that just flat out said he was a nightmare. Actually, it was Nico Mascarakis because I just watched the special features on the Screen Factory because uh, okay, maybe cause it was. He, he actually worked on with him on two movies because uh, I think two years before this they did the Wind together, which was. Uh, you know, with Meg Foster, Wings Hauser. Uh, yep. yep, and that I think that's exactly why. Um, I think that's exactly why I knew that uh, because I think it was when we watched that. Because yeah. That came out, and we watched us. We watched all the special features on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good little movie. You know, it's kind of weird that he you could actually do like a Greek island trilogy of Nico because he did like three movies set in like the Greek islands that are all kind of different. Like he did Island of Death, and then he produ- he didn't direct, but he produced Blood Tide, which is also kind of like oh. a Greek Islands movie, kind of like a little creature feature with James Earl Jones of all people. <laughs> and uh, then The Wind, they're all like set on Greek Islands. I like, really liked The Wind. That was the first time I had great. seen that one, and I was I was like, wow! I, I just I don't know. I liked it. It's a it's a little movie, you know, tiny cast, but I think he did an excellent job with the suspense and the fact that the wind was such a the wind itself was an actual character in the movie yeah was really fascinating yeah yeah and like i said like 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 some of his like 80s movies i love them and they all have like that high octane han zimmer scores to them which is weird to say like you know i kind of like this stuff more than like new Hans Zimmer because it's kind of like you know I'm going to do my Batman Begins theme right now <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know but uh, I, I, I like them and you know they're different and they're kind of like subtle it's kind of like early James Horner stuff when you find out that the guy who did Titanic did Humanoids from the Deep <laughs> Rape um, Salmon oh yeah oh <laughs> uh, it's it's fun stuff yeah I definitely recommend a lot of Nico's films. I'm not going to say they're great, but they're fun. You know, even like that one high, what was it called? Hired to kill with like Oliver Reed with like this giant Warris mustache and Brian oh, Thompson. <laughs> I just loved watching Nico talk about his films because he had such a great passion. He was a delight just watching the featurettes with him. It was, it was just, I love seeing someone who loves what they do so much. And he just was the cutest thing. I was like, I wish I knew him. Like, I wish I got the chance to meet him. Yeah, like I said, I wish he was like my actual father, you know? 
You know? You mean that's not based on your life story? It ah. might. Well, Island of Death may be based on my life story, uh. but I survived, you know? You know, it, every movie's based on my life story, Jamie. That's the ongoing joke that I always say. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, Nightmare at Noon. Check it out, listeners. Pick up the... I think it's on Prime right now, but yes. if you watch it and you like it, Pick out the Blu-ray, because the Blu-ray looks fucking nice. Mm-hmm. And the Rift Tracks version is available on VOD as well. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian and Jamie, do you have another one? Uh, of course. We've always got more. Um, I guess I'll bring up In Search of Darkness Part 2. It uh, is a documentary about the 80s horror films... This is the second part, obviously. It's another long one. It's like four and a half hours. And uh, it's nothing too monumental. It's a lot of talking heads. Um, just talking about movies and then showing clips from those movies. But It's a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, it, it's basically a nostalgia trip. But you get to see Nancy Allen on Nancy Allen. You get to see Barbara Crampton on, on Barbara Bar- Crampton. Linnea Quigley on Linnea Quigley. So Robert England. I, I, yeah, I you like, get to go in depth into into those heads. And I like just the amount of people they got to talk to. Um, who they got to talk to was pretty surprising. Yeah, because it's not the usual ones no. that you see in every single documentary. It's... Um, it, they, I mean, hell, they got Greta Greta, and I always love her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And Clancy Brown yes. uh, had quite a bit to say. And it's really fascinating because these people talk about movies that affect, like, their first horror movie, their, their movie that made them love horror, you know, as a kid. And that, to me, is fascinating and fun to hear about. And then you can see when they're talking about something they really love, they get all giddy about it. Mm-hmm. It's cute. And... Um, and then, of course, you go. they go through each year, 81 to 89, and highlight specific films. Um, and, you so know, it, it, sorry, is it different films that the, yes. than the first yes. part? Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah they, ta- they, they just uh, they tackle different ones. And honestly, I thought this one was better than the first one. And yeah, I've heard mixed things. Some people saying the first one was better. I thought they were both the same. They both covered... I mean, a nice collection of films from the 80s. And if you know 80s horror, there's enough films there to make a third one if they want to. Oh, because oh, uh, the, the whole... Go ahead. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first one was uh, the iconic 80s one, so that was all theatrical horror. So yes. was this one more like the direct-to-video type stuff, or did they still well, do theatrical? It still covered some of the mainstream ones that they just didn't cover the first time around. But there are a few more obscure ones in here. Um, They did talk about the video boom a little bit. Yes. uh, Like, especially with Linnea. Um, And, yeah, it covered some things that were a little bit more obscure. I mean, if you're a big horror fan, I don't think you're going to be surprised by anything. There was one movie that they really didn't talk about, but they kept showing clips from, and that was a new movie for me. But everything else I've already seen and all that, so it it is, like I said, it's nostalgia. If you Mm. love the 80s horror, this this movie's going to be right up there for you. Um, You're going to sit back and go, I remember that one. Oh, I remember that. Maybe you'll find some stuff you've never seen before, and it'll... 
you know, convince you to watch them, but it's mainly just a love letter to the 80s, and I'm all for that. One thing I loved is that, okay, Nancy Allen is in this one very prominently. She talks a lot, and I love that. But they, one of the films they highlighted was Terror in the Isles. Yes. Which nice. um, yeah. is a basically the same exact yeah, thing <laughs> as, as <laughs> this kind of movie. So she talks about that, and that was very special to me because I saw that in the theater. Yep. And uh, when I was a kid, and my, we were going to the movies, um, I was like, yeah, what are we going to go? I never knew what we were going to see ahead of time. Well, sometimes I did, but most of, most of the time, I didn't know. My parents just took me to the movies. So I was like, oh, what are we going to see? And my mom's like, Terror in the Isles. And I was like, okay. I thought it was going to be a horror movie on an island. Like, <laughs> I thought it was going to take place in the tropics, you know, Terror in the Isles. Well, then um, it turns out, no, it's like a clip show compilation. But it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because... I was mentally making a list oh, of yeah. all the movies that I hadn't seen, because a lot of them I'd already seen as, um, at that point, but there were a lot that I hadn't, and I was mentally making a list while I was watching that doc of movies that I needed to seek out, and that will always be very oh, special yeah. to when me. When I first that saw reason. that, that was the same thing. I was, I was just getting into horror. I rented VHS, and I was watching it, and... You know, the ones I knew, I was like, yeah, I love that movie. But the ones I didn't, I was like, oh, shit, what is that? I got to see that. And so it opened the door to a lot of films for me. Speaking of Vice Squad, that's how I first yes. saw anything yes, about same. Vice Squad. Speaking of Nighthawks, that's where I first Actually, saw Nighthawks. Actually, yeah, me too. That's... I mean, that was a, it's a great compilation of 80s horror, that being Tyranny Isles. But then so was this. And again, it's four and a half hours, so... You know, bring a lunch, make plans but to we spend your right afternoon. It. It's it's you call, don't call, want the, call out from work. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, if you can do, if you can do uh, Crystal Light Memory, or Crystal Light. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Crystal Light. I love that. I, I love Strawberry Kiwi. Um, if you can do uh, Crystal Lake Memories, then you can do this. No problem. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, it sounds like it's something perfect for working at home, too. Oh, what was that? Sorry? Do, do they still split it up by year? Like the first yes. part? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it starts oh, 1980 and then it just marks down to well, as a matter of fact, we had to run out for a few minutes to go to the store, and we didn't want to go. We didn't want to go too late, so we. I was like, okay, when they get done with 1984, yeah, let's uh, run out. And um, so as soon as they wrapped up 1984, we paused it, ran out to the store, came right back, and. Uh, that was at what two hours in? I think you said about that. It was like right at two hours. I uh, I went to the U.S. premiere of Part One out here in L.A. at the Chinese Theater, and they gave they gave us an intermission because nice. they were going to sit for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> L.A. But people. So I, I really loved it. I love the first one, but I I don't know why I liked this one. And I wouldn't say a lot better because I gave the first one a five. Mm-hmm. This one to me, I, I I think it's because they weren't hitting just the major ones. The movies that you hear about all Maybe, the time, they yeah. were talking about some things that you don't hear about as much, and I think that that's why I liked this one. So what movies were the NATO talking about when she was on? 
Well, she did talk quite a, quite a bit about uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, she was talking about how, you know, that thing that everybody always says it, during her scene is like, who in their right mind is going to answer the door with their tits hanging and put their shorts on? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Linnea. And uh, <laughs> she said, you know, she, she was talking about how she said at the time, she's like, no woman would ever do this. She's like, we might put on our top and not our bottoms, but we're not going to do it the other way around. And he's like, I need your tits out because they got to go on the antler. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. she talked about that. She talked about Savage Streets, Return of the Living Dead, Return of the Living all Dead, all her highlights. Yeah. Um, what was the one before Savage Streets that I actually didn't know of? I don't think I don't know if it was a horror film or not. Was it don't Don't Go into the Park? No, it was a one word title, and it was her very first speaking role. I can't remember, and I can't remember now what it was. Well, I remember. But, all I remember is fucking when she danced with two chainsaws and Hollywood chainsaw hookers. Oh, she actually was, talked about they that. They brought too, that up uh, yeah. about how uh, you know she's like they're like you know dance with it, but she's like these are heavy. And I was thinking, why didn't they give her like chainsaws <laughs> to dance with? Because she's a tiny thing. She's so little. There's no way she's going to be able to do that right, you know, but she was talking about how she was so tired that she, if you watch that scene where she's coming out of the sarcophagus, she like, she trips pretty much or almost stumbles. And she's like, that's real because I almost passed out. Um, I love that movie. So, yeah, she's <laughs> most of her major, major hitters, mm-hmm. you know. Good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. I'm looking at her filmography right now. I had oh, no idea she played a mannequin in Tourist Trap. Oh, Yeah. Oh, and uh, wow. she did talk about extensively the horror workout, and no one ever talks about that. Um, actually, that was fu- really fun. Funny enough, I actually, if you get like the '88 films version of Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, that comes as a bonus feature. That that's <laughs> awesome. I have a DVD of her workout that, when they did a small printing of it, she, um, I'm very good friends with Ken Hall, and. He uh, he and Linnea got together. She signed number 666 for me. She, they saved it aside for me. And she signed it and sent it to me. I've never opened it because she signed it on the outside. And I was like, well, I'm not going to open I do have another copy of it, though. But um, I thought that that is like one of my That's most... That's why she signed it on the outside, to make you buy two copies. Well, no, no, no. I have, a, <laughs> I have, no, I have an old VHS of it, not... It's the, a joke, baby. I know that. <laughs> um but that's like one of my big, big all-time most prized possessions because I just think that's so badass that mm-hmm. not only did she sign it for me, but she saved back specifically number six six six. So that's yeah. pretty dope. But anyway, that was a fun story because uh, like they were supposed to be doing some shooting in the Hollywood Hills, and then they got kicked out because the fire marshals were doing some testing up there. So they went to so her, they parents went to her house parents' house and just danced around a pool. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, it sounds like sim- like similar to the first one. It's a perfect documentary I can throw on while oh, yeah. I'm working at home um, because you know it's it's going to be on in the background for what four plus hours, but it's going to catch my eyes and ears and kind of grab my attention every every so often, if not constantly. So uh, it, it's apologies to all the podcasts I usually listen to, but it sounds like four and a half hours of my day are going to be taken by this. Although it'll take a lot longer since if I'm working, there's going to be like a lot of pausing to make sure I don't miss stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty much like if you like the first one, you're going to like the second one to a varying degree. I mean, 
yeah, it's similar style, similar uh, volume of movies covered with uh, commentary and interviews from the people starting them. So it, I'm excited to see it. I'm surprised I haven't at least thrown it on to like start it yet, but it is on Shutter right now, isn't it? I think that's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you have Shutter, you can watch it. So there's no reason not to. And who doesn't yeah. have Shutter? If you don't have Shutter, what are Do you it. doing? Yeah. Do what are you it. doing with your life? Do it. Do it. Yeah, I know. It just it, it seems out of all out of like all the streaming services, it's it's pretty much like the cheapest. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's no reason not to have it. I yeah, mean, and I buy it by the year, and you save even more money that way. I mean, it's only what five dollars a month um, if you pay for it monthly but yeah. i pay i pay for it by the year and you save even more money doing it that way it's totally worth it yeah i was gonna say outside of financial burden which you know i'm never gonna shame anyone that says they just simply can't afford it even no, despite it being not. cheap no, no, no. so outside of that consideration if, it, if it's not a money issue then then i'll say i don't understand why you don't have it yeah unless you're like well my internet sucks unless you're like my internet sucks too much then okay that's another valid reason i guess I mean, don't forget, there are people that flat out don't like it. I mean, we we have a, a, a podcaster in our circle who famously hates Shudder. I'm not going to name names because I don't want anybody to, you know, start hating on somebody. But Mike hopefully knows who I'm talking about because I was shocked the day this person said that. They were flat out like Shudder is yeah. a waste. And this is, a, the, mind you, this is a horror podcaster. Saying this. Well, you know, so. everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but they're wrong. <laughs> well, and this, the thing is, what, and Brian and I actually talk about this all the time. Movie wise, except for the new content that they put out in the Shutter Originals, which is pretty damn which good. Is, they're really good, so I'm happy to have that. But like their other catalog, their older movie catalog, we have all those movies. Like there's, it's, and we've even said in the beginning, I was just like, I don't know why I love this so much. Before they started doing their original stuff, uh, I was like, I don't know why I love this so much because we could watch any of these anytime we want. But it's the fact that someone is taking the time to devote something solely to horror. Yeah. I want to support it just for that reason alone. Plus, you've got Joe Bob, and that is enough for me. Like, yeah. that is reason yeah. one right there. I would pay if I didn't already have Shutter when his show came back. I would have gotten it just for him. Um, and then the originals that they've been putting out. I like the fact really that they're uh, constantly streaming movies. Like they oh, have, I put that on all the time. Shutter they have TV. three channels of just constantly streaming mm-hmm. stuff. It's like you know, even if I own the movie, I'm not always going to go in the back, grab the disc, bring it forward, put it on. You know, it's just nice to be flipping through the channels and find something. Oh, I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, watch it. I, you know what? It reminds me of the old days when you would be flipping through, like, the cable channels late at night or whatever. Yeah. And you'd come across a movie that was maybe halfway through or maybe it started 15 minutes ago. And you would just, you knew the movie, you loved the movie, so you would keep watching it. That's what I do with Shutter TV. I'll put it on in the back. I'll just be flipping. I was like, well, what's playing right now? And if it's something that I love, I'll let it play. I don't care what part it's at. Yeah. And it's I like that. The thing, the thing I, the thing I always liked about Shutter too, is you know I think they were actually made maybe the first streaming service to actually do this. They don't dump a whole show on like like some of their new shows. They don't dump them all at once. They wait like a week to give you the new episode. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we weekly we watch the new creep show. Yeah. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think that we were like the first ones to do that because I remember like a lot of the. Even like I think maybe old Amazon used to do that too. They used to dump just dump the whole seasons and shit on there. Amazon it, actually does it both ways. We recently watched two different shows uh, that were Amazon shows. One of them they released every week, and the other one they released all the episodes all at once. So I I don't know how they figure how to do it, but they do it both ways. That's weird. But the other thing I like about Shutter too is uh, that Netflix doesn't do. Is they actually put their stuff out on physical media or their original yes, content? Yes, yes. Which, yes. you know, like who the hell would? I want the ritual on Blu-ray, but oh my god, right? You, yeah, you can't I mean, get Netflix it on does put some. I mean, it, it, they only put like their ultra popular stuff on. Yeah, the Irishman, but who the fuck wants to watch that again? Well, Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> what is it? Uh, what? Wait a minute. Isn't there a site that that where you can get Netflix stuff? Um, yeah, but you know, I'd rather buy like a physical release too. You, like actually, those, so that, would I. That's well, that's what like I mean. A, like, there, I think there's a, there's a site that sells physical releases but, of Netflix but, stuff, but I don't remember what it's yeah, called. Yeah, but it's kind of like a bootleg site, though. Jay. I was gonna say they don't do it legally. Well, yeah, I know, yeah, but it's. But I'd rather do like the support and give people the money too. Yes. So, but you know, if I had to do that option, I would do it too. But you know, but you know, that's why I like that they actually. Shutter actually gets the thing with RJ Entertainment and puts a yep. lot of original content out on Blu-rays for people that do collect physical who don't maybe don't have Shutter or something. So they can still Netflix check these movies figures out. It's not worth it anymore because so many people are have stopped collecting these days, or or they feel like they have like the only ones I know of that really still collect physical media the way we all do is. In there are people in the horror community. I don't think other film fans do it as much. Yeah. Maybe sci-fi, but probably not. Um, yeah, you know, it's just we're the ones I think keeping physical media alive and special editions, and um, you know, because we have things like Arrow and and Scream Factory and well, that's Severin a good and point. Vinegar Syndrome, and because we do have Arrow, Scream Factory, uh, Vinegar Syndrome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, are there sci-fi equivalents? I don't think so. Not that I know of. Well, that are specifically solely sci-fi, or not specifically, but that's their major thrust. That's their thing. You know. I don't think any other genre has stuff no, like that. I don't think so either. Well, well, a lot of those companies do dabble in those kind of like Shout Factory has its own. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think he means yeah. solely. I was actually. I, I go oh, to right. one that's uh, they only do martial arts movies. They they release physical uh, media of martial arts films that aren't that's popular. Cool. Yeah, I forget uh, the name of them, but yeah, they're, they're, obviously they're not as big as Arrow or Vinegar Syndrome. But I go to the website every now and again, and uh, you know, try to find myself a little something. But yeah, all, all they do. <laughs> what's funny is all they do is martial arts and porn. Go figure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> V- and if there's syndrome. a martial arts porn film, then they got it. Guaranteed. I guarantee syndrome. it exists. It's coming on 4K, you know. Ah, 4K. Uh, I just blew my mind. Oh, go ahead. Mike. Oh, no, I was going to say, speaking of 4K, that would be my next pick. Um, what, the beast what I watched. Man? 4K yeah. porn? 4K Cesaria? Yeah. Yes. Derek, you got it. Uh, 
4K Suspiria. It's uh, man. Um, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the movie itself, only because you know everyone knows Suspiria. Most people have seen it. Everyone on this show has probably seen it multiple times. There's not much reason to get into uh, thoughts on the movie, but I will say as a recent 4K convert... You can't be a horror fan if you've never seen Suspiria. Suspiria! (laughs) Um, You can send hate mail to Jamie at... Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She'll get Joe Pesci on him. What the fuck (laughs) you mean you didn't see Suspiria? (laughs) Uh, Going clockwork orange with Suspiria. (laughs) Um, yeah, as a recent 4K convert, I don't have a ton of 4K titles yet. Uh, I, I've, I've already said it many times. I started kind of slowing down the collection or the collecting to a halt early on in the Blu-ray era. So now that we're the next gen to 4K, it's kind of like I'm revisiting movies that uh, I never really upgraded to 1080p in the first place and Suspiria was one of those I had still had the like the old limited edition uh, special edition DVD sitting on the movie rack. So I was like, you know what? Let me I'll look up to 4K and bought it. And holy shit. Uh, I, I will say, you know, will this movie convert people that don't already like the movie? Probably not. But if you like the movie at all and you want to see an example of uh, colors that really pop on 4k this is a movie to just put on and lose yourself in um now i you know i've had a home theater surround sound for a while and while yet it like if i put it side to side against my old system would it sound a little more crisp probably just because of you know more modern uh technology when it comes to audio but um it's really the, just the picture. The mix is it, it's done so well. The blues, the reds, you know, everyone would expect the blues in the, in the reds, but even like other colors, like there's just a scene early on where I think Susie's sitting next to someone in a green dress and it's just like, holy shit. Like you, you forget that it's not just the blues and reds in Suspiria that just assault on the eyes, man. It's, it, it, it's great. Um, <laughs> You sound like a kid who got a new toy that we all got four years ago. And yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it's, it's funny. I, I Is this your up. first time watching Suspiria, Mike? <laughs> it sounds like it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, because the thing is, one. it's not like it's not like it took 4K to like uh, to make it known that you know Argento is all about atmosphere, colors, lighting, all that kind of stuff. It's not like we all didn't know that before. Um, but I think it's as someone who doesn't have a ton of 4K titles yet, this is kind of like one of my first kind of experiences, kind of be blown away about the technology and what it's capable of doing. It doesn't help that it's with a movie I already like, but it's like you're I'm kind of sitting there watching it. And obviously, you can't replicate a first watch, even a second watch with a movie like this, but. I was just kind of being pulled in, like just kind of observing. Like it's it's one of the rare times where I kind of just was not paying attention to all the usual things you would during a movie. And I'm just kind of looking around the TV screen just to like see how everything looks. And you know, I've seen Suspiria enough times that I, I I know the plot and most of the dialogue enough to where you can kind of be focusing on other things and just 
kind of be wowed by it. So for anyone that has upgraded 4K and if you don't have uh, the Synapse or Synapse uh, 4K Suspiria, I would highly, highly recommend it. It is a bit pricey um, because honestly, not all 4Ks are overly pricey um in general like if you just pull you know go to amazon pull up unless if you're just trying to get 4k stuff this one was a little bit more but hey it's one of my all-time favorite movies so it's not like i've been opposed to paying a little bit more in the past so for this one i i did it and i am not uh disappointed in the uh in what i ended up seeing so it's like the first time i watched a dvd Oh yeah, I know. I mean, I would menu special features, main menu, trailers. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. I don't care what the movie was. I would watch everything on that straight through. Like, I'd get home, I'd watch the trailer, I'd watch the movie, I'd watch every single special feature. I don't care what the hell the movie was. I'd watch it with commentary. (laughs) I was blown away. Yep. Yeah. And then and you get to end of the movie and it goes right back to the title screen. Oh, I didn't have to rewind anything or I can go right. <laughs> oh, I'm I looking in the future. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember throwing on the first DVD. I was I bought a DVD player for myself before my family had DVD players. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, it's never going to get better. What was your this. first DVD? <laughs> my first, uh, I bought two. Um, it was... 2001 Space Odyssey, and I believe the other one was American History X because it just happened to be at the <laughs> like at the store with it. So I was like, all right, I'll grab this one too. And this is back, you know, when every pretty much every soul was in the old school snapback case. Everyone remembers those. <laughs> oh, you know, my first and DVD my was. I don't even know what the hell a DVD is. So that's telling you how many years have gone by since then. So uh, what was yours, Derek? Rush Hour 2 and Hamburger Hill. Oh, oh Hamburger wow. Hill's good. Rush Hour too. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's the got Zay That's the best part of the movie. The uh, first yeah. DVD I owned was um. Oh God, damn it! That uh, that Jack Nicholson Helen Hunt movie. Um. As good as it gets. As good as, as it gets. gets. Because because it was given to me when the DVD player was gifted to me by my boss, and I was to them quote as good as it gets. So that's why they gave me that movie. The first, oh. then the first DVD I bought for myself was. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Here it comes. Deep Blue Sea. Oh! <laughs> my bird, bitch. Sick of all these motherfucking sharks. <laughs> I'm giving this speech and I'm going to get eaten right now by this shark, motherfucker. Is your hat like a shark fin? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love those. Well, what was yours? Stuff. My first one was Twister. Not a great movie, but definitely eye candy. What so is it I, with Helen Hunt? I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he I definitely wanted to put the We system. gotta make Dorothy fly. Yeah. Um, uh, wow. That was, that I, those were magical times, though. Yeah, we went from Twister to As Good As It Gets to Rush Hour 2. Jeez. Wow. So I guess... I was the only one with a uh, horror movie for his first DVD. Hey, Hamburger Hill, man. Joe McDermott. That was the first one I bought. Steven Ah, Weber. What What was yours, man? Uh, Night of Living Dead. Nice. Oh, whatever. Like a $5 DVD. I'm just kidding. 
Um, the first DVD I ever watched was Starship Troopers. And That's then a good one. and Scream. Those were the first two DVDs Children I ever Oh. And um The Sixth Sense. I, I actually saw that when it came out on DVD too. So Spoiler. Bruce Willis is dead the whole movie. What? Spoiler. I knew that the whole time. He gets killed by Mark Donnie Wahlberg of the New Kids on the Block. <laughs> oh, 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 the right stuff. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Suspiria 4K. That turned into a DVD discussion. Yes. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, though, Rush Hour 3, it was kind of creepy when Roman Polanski raped Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker in that movie. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, Venom, do you have a third one? Uh, I've got plenty. I could go all day, but <laughs> I don't think I have any good ones left, though. I feel like most of what I have left, because uh, obviously a lot of them we've already discussed on Fresh Cuts. Um, but one that I haven't discussed is actually a newer film recently released on Shutter right at the end of March, and that is called The Banishing. Um, I'm kind of middle of the I mean, road. Uh-huh. I heard bad things. Really? Yeah. Well, it's, tell us. Um, I'm middle of the road on it. Like I wasn't like blown away by any stretch. I mean, the, I, I was on board for the first half of the movie. The basic story is uh, a woman um, who already has a daughter marries uh, a minister. They move into a new town and um, into a nice big house, obviously a big old Gothic house that has um, a fairly nefarious past. And um, obviously, you know, hilarity ensues from there. So, you know, your basic haunted house movie. But then once they got to the second half, I don't know, I kinda, it, it, it lost it on me. And then the ending was very unsatisfying. But ultimately, the performances weren't bad. Um, directed by Christopher Smith, um, starring Jessica Brown Finley and John Hefferman. Uh, like I said, they... They play a, a, a newly married couple wow. that moves into a nice one of my favorite directors. Oh yeah, nice. Um, the movie is pretty. I mean, it's shot well. I'll definitely give it that. Cinematography's right there. Uh, the house is nice, big gothic house. So you know, it definitely, it's got that atmosphere thing going. Um, it's just the story kind of left me a little flat. Um, it's currently holding a 4.5 on IMDb. I, I don't think it's quite that bad. Um, I'd probably come in closer at a 5.5 or a 6, something like that. But um, ultimately, it left me a little unsatisfied. It's an hour and 40 minutes long. Um, it's not a terrible film. It's just underwhelming. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, good, but underwhelming. So I'll leave it at that. And well, the exploding uh, heads guys didn't like it, and the thing that that seemed to be running through all of their the the one thing in common that they all seemed to say was that you know when they got finished with it they weren't sure what they just watched like it wasn't very clear. Um, okay. Hmm. I hmm. yeah maybe I on the second view. I, I um, the story. I mean you know because there is a backstory obviously to the house. It actually turned, well, shit, no, that's a spoiler. I'm not going to say that. Um, you know, it basically turns out to be a bigger scheme than the couple originally believes. Let, let's leave it at that. But, um, no, I didn't have any trouble understanding it. I mean, you know, once they actually got into the history of the house and what was going on, I was totally fine. Uh, I, I forgot to mention John Lynch is in this one as a bishop, Bishop Malachi. I love that name. 
and it's always good to see John Lynch with his oh, awesome so accent. Um, the movie's set in the 30s, too, so it is a period piece, which made the aesthetics a little bit better for me. I, I like period pieces, um, you know, generally more Victorian, but this one, like I said, 1930s, not quite Victorian, but um, still a really, uh, I don't know, like I said, it's it's an underwhelming film. It's probably the, the nicest thing that I can possibly say about it. It's not necessarily a bad film. It just needed more. And the fact that it came out, it was released the same week as The Power. It's just going to get buried because The Power is heads and shoulders better than this film. So, And basically the same kind of premise. Uh, in The Power, it's a haunted hospital instead of a haunted house. But, but, um, but, but I really room? enjoyed The Power. But since since Christopher Smith did this movie, we kind of have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's watchable. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't like, like. I said, I flat out said it's not a bad thing. It just needs more. That's I haven't yeah. seen it yet, but all I heard about it was from people that kind of liked it. Is is just kind of g- generic in the sense of the story. Valid. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a valid way to describe it. Like I said, I enjoy period pieces, so my, I may have enjoyed it more than the average viewer, um, but. It's still, man, that third act is so lacking. It it needed so much more to really close out that story. Because I was on board for the first two acts. But then when we start hearing more and more about the actual supernatural element in the house, it's just like, oh, that's what you're going with? Okay. And then the movie just kind of ends. Did you like it better than The Reckoning, though? That's the real question. Um, Because that was kind of a disappointment, too. You know what? I think I did like this one more because I expected more out of the reckoning because it was Marshall. Yeah. So I, I wanted it to be, you know, obviously, you know, again, expectations. I try to not let expectations uh, affect my viewing experiences. But, you know, when a director has a big name, especially a guy like Neil Marshall, who, you know, I like almost every movie he's ever made. Um, yeah, that was a little bit more of a disappointment. Whereas The Banishing, I wasn't really expecting anything. Um, you guys are more familiar with Christopher Smith than I am. so Yeah, we, we did one of his movies on the show, actually, Creep. That was his first movie. Oh, I love Creep. Okay, well. Yeah. Triangle. He's done Creep. He's done Triangle. He's done... Oh, nice. uh, Black Death. Is it Severed or Severance? Oh, yeah, Black Death. Yeah. Okay. Well, then he's more prolific than I thought he was. Off Do here. you like Black Death, too? Because nobody likes that movie but I me. Love the, I, love that, I love that I love movie. It. Yay! Black Death is awesome. Sean Bean for the win Yay! all day. I, I remember when I first... Yeah, I remember really liking it when I first saw it and i started hearing like a lot of people's lukewarm reactions to it and i couldn't understand why i thought it was excellent. i couldn't either i i was really same, loved that movie oh yeah it was the same thing with uh what headhunter from a couple of years ago uh was that the name of that movie about the loner viking guy who was avenging oh, his daughter's death yeah yeah yeah, I was hearing a lot of the same feedback for that before I saw that movie, and then I watched that, and it turned into one of my top ten of that year. I, I fucking ironic, love that. Ironically, both Black Death and The Headhunter, I watched Blazed, because I just smoked a big bowl <laughs> before I watched it, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Sean Bean is killing this movie right now. It's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, and then The Headhunter, this movie is fucking atmospheric as all fuck. I love it. I yeah. need another hit. 
<laughs> and then yeah, that ended. A lot of people were complaining with Headhunter and the off-screen action, not enough stuff on screen, but I, I think it added to the story, and dude, it made the third act way more enjoyable. Dude, dude you know what mind-blowed me when I, about the Headhunter? When I found out it was from the director of Thanks Killer. <laughs> awesome. You, you, that just blew my <laughs> you know, head. better. Yeah. <laughs> He's improving. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, like, shut the fuck up. Watch Things Killing if you think this is there suck. You go. What was yeah. the What was the horror movie that came out recently from the Lifetime director guy who only did Lifetime movies? Uh, anything for Jackson? Thank you, yes. That was a shock that a Lifetime director could make mm-hmm. a movie that effective. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like the reverse David Dakota. <laughs> well, you know what would be interesting is now that he's made a horror movie and a pretty good one at that, if he went back to making a Lifetime movie, could he convince Lifetime to like let him kind of amp it up a little? <laughs> well, it's not like Lifetime fans would know that he made a horror movie unless they look him up. Have you seen a lot of Lifetime movies? Some of those stories are fucking dark like that I've one. I've heard a lot of really – I've honestly, I've never watched one. Nothing against Lifetime. It's not like I see their name on something and I just boycott it. I've just never had enough interest to watch one. I'm not against... Because I watched She's Too Young because Duncan... I mean, not Duncan. Bo did it on Pick 6 Movies. I was curious. It's about a whole school that gets fucking... uh, What's that fucking section? They get like an STD or something like... Oh, shit. You know, the whole whole school gets it. Like, I forget what it was. Herpes or something? It was something crazy. Chlamydia. 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 Even better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and all the girls were just fucking all the dudes. It was fucking nuts. Did that take place in Rockdale County, Georgia? Because that actually happened in Rockdale. Yeah, it's based County. on a true story. Yeah, it's based yeah. on a true story. Yeah, I uh, that was when I was in school, and um, uh, that we used to make fun of them all the time. That was like a running joke. Um, if you ever heard about anybody having VD or anything like that, you're like, what do they go to Rockdale County? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, and and people who actually went to Rockdale County High, they got real pissed off if you made fun of them for it. But it <laughs> that was um, that's hilarious because you, that was a. And you know what's little... a, you know what's even more funnier? Who directed that movie? Tom McLaughlin. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! You can watch that on Tubi right now. <laughs> Marsha Gay Harden and that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that that was legendary. Oh. Uh. I guess I'm next, right? Yep, I'm done. Yep, what's what do you got for your final one? Well, as you guys know, I'm part of the summer series, so I did a little research when I found out what year I was getting. And I could I'm gonna talk about this movie because it wasn't one of the ones that was actually picked, but it was a first time watch for me, and that is Carnage Park by Mickey Keaton. Uh I did not know anything about this movie. I seen the cover art, I was like the hell is this action movie Scream Factory is moving on? Because as a guy with a, I thought it was like a war movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's pretty much like a love letter to like exploitation films. It's actually shot very grimy and dirty. Uh, pretty much the setup is this girl gets kidnapped during a bank robbery played by Ashley Bell. You probably remember from like the last exorcism. Uh, she was the main girl in that film. That was, you know, the possessed girl. But, uh, she gets kidnapped by these two thugs and they end up, uh, one of them dies on the way and they end up on like this private property of this character played by Pat Healy. Who's just like, he looks like he'd be like a TCM members, like stepbrother or something. Like, 
when he comes out, and we find out he's like a sniper, and he ends up practicing sniper, and he kills the other dude, and it's pretty much this girl running away from this crazy sniper. And uh, there's a few sub-characters that come in through, like the main sheriff is actually played by Alan Ruck uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, which <laughs> I didn't even know he was in this movie. I... I was actually very close to picking this as one of my top five. I actually really enjoyed it a lot. Pat Healy's character. I always like Pat Healy. He always plays like different characters in all his movies. Like he was in the Innkeepers, Cheap Thrill, Starry Eyes as various side characters in those movies. Uh, this is probably my favorite role from him. He's grimy and dirty and just plays this role so well. Uh, I thought it was a hint that Mickey Keaton's a director that I always liked. Like, he did, like, Darling and Pod, uh, Psychopaths from a few years ago. Uh, yeah, I like Psychopaths. Yeah, he did, a, you know, I like him because all his films are very different. And yeah. uh, Carnage Park is no exception. And, uh, yeah, it's a cool little movie, like a crazy sniper chasing this girl around this compound. And, you know, there's even a cameo by uh, Mr. Larry Fessenden in this movie, which That's I was risky. expecting. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I really liked it a lot. Did you guys see this one? Yeah, I saw this one a couple of years ago. This this is a great film. Just like you said, the grindhouse aesthetic is thick in this film. I mean, um, it feels I don't know a lot like Wolf Creek with the you know the open uh, landscape and everything. Um, and I'm not usually a big fan of uh, sniper films like this, but yeah, Carnage Park worked for me. Uh, I would have been okay if you picked that for your top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2016 was such a good year, you know. It was like, yeah, you know, so, so I, I went with the ones I did, but you know, maybe next time, maybe if we do like 2010. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, that's the problem when you do the summer series and you can only bring five to ten movies to the fray. It's like. When you watch as many movies as we do, especially during those years, um, you know, the mid 2010s, it's like, how do I just pick five? It, it's it's almost impossible. And then I we had to only pick two after that. It's like, it's like exactly. And then you still got to narrow it down. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any trouble with 2018. For some reason, uh, I, I got 2018 and 2011. Um, uh, 2011 with you, Derek. And um, yeah, yeah 20, 2018. It literally took me four minutes to put my top five together. Um, but with 2011, man, I actually had to go back and watch like 20 plus movies because uh, there was a lot that I had missed. I wasn't podcasting in 2011, obviously. So yeah. I obviously missed a bunch of stuff. But yeah, 2018, man, since I watched like what? A hundred and forty something movies in twenty eighteen. Yeah, my top five was nice and easy. Yeah, yeah twenty sixteen. <laughs> I, I knew it's two. I was gonna pick already. Uh, yeah. Well, y- you'll know which ones I picked when I pick. Well, I'll tell them off here anyways because I, you know, I'll keep that secretive for you, the, you know behind the scenes stuff. But yeah. uh, twenty eleven, I still want to watch a few movies before I make those picks too. Like this, I'm in the same boat as you in that sense. Where I like when somebody picked Attack of the Werewolves, I'm like, I have to watch this movie. <laughs> Come on, it's about werewolves and they. It's a Spanish movie. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Know? You you busted out with a couple in 2011 that I had never seen too, so I've been catching up myself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll wait till probably till the deadline to f- make my final pick for those ones. Nice, I like it. Okay, 
All right, we'll go right to Jamie and Brian for their last one. Okay, uh, well, this is one that we uh, we basically saw on that In Search of Darkness. Um, they didn't really talk about this one per se, but they kept showing little snippets from it. And I was like, wow, I'd never heard of that movie, and it was actually a Fulci film. And I'm like, how the, f- how the hell does that happen? So it's Murder Rock from 1984. And uh, it's basically a jallo with a little bit of slasher thrown in. It's set in New York. And uh, this lady has like a dance school where all they seem to do is jazzercise. And somebody is going around and they're using chloroform on the women to knock them out. And then once they're knocked out, they rip their shirt off so you can see boobies. Yay. And then they kill them by stabbing them with this big, long needle. It's like a hat pin or something. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very... It, in that regard, it reminds me a lot of aerobicide or... Uh, it's like if if you mixed Flashdance with Killer Workout. Yes. what it reminds me of. Um, the music is god-awful. Terrible. Um, the kills are very weak. I mean, you're talking about Fulci, the godfather of gore, and yet... The only thing that happens here is somebody gets knocked out, they fall on the ground, and then they poke them in the booby with a needle. Slowly. Yeah. Like, they just kind of like... Mm. <laughs> and there's like no blood. But uh, it definitely has some charm. Um, I enjoyed it. I just didn't really love it. So there is a reason probably why I've never really heard of it. It's not one of Fulci's uh, better works. But it's not his worst either, so... Yeah. The, the thing that I always liked about Murder Rock that kind of saves it for me is when Ray Locklove's character just comes into play. And the first time you meet him, he's all shit-faced, wearing a dungaree jacket. And fucking, <laughs> you know, he's like, hey, how you doing there, the, the main chick? Yeah. You know, like I, I like Ray Locklove and stuff. He, he always, like, he was in, like, Live, Live Sweeping Corpses Lie as the main dude in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, I always like him seeing him pop up and stuff. And the main chick's actually the chick that played uh, the doctor's wife in Zombie, I believe. Olga Cardavoso? I It's like a Greek last name. I can't remember. Carlados. Carlados. Yeah, yeah. It could I, be, but in here she's... Oh my god, she's kind of painful to watch because she's <laughs> like, you must pay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the dubbing doesn't help you. No, Uh, I mean maybe that was it, but just I mean the way she's trying to enunciate every word. It's like okay, settle down. Yeah, there was this there was this really horrible moment where they had a suspect at the police station and the 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 cops talking to him, and that we had and that all of our windows are open today because it's hot. Oh yeah, God. So everything the house is wide open. And all of a sudden, the guy just yells out, I don't like specs! And I was like, oh my god! Damn. <laughs> like, oh Jesus, like, now our neighbors think we're racist. I, I, I can just imagine somebody walking down the street and just hearing that, and I'm like, fuck So me. then, I said really loudly, baby, you're not supposed to say that! <laughs> now, of course, wow. I would believe that because it was clearly a man who yelled it, but I was just like, Jesus, shut up! <laughs> But it that was uh that was kind of horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah this, it, it's definitely not top level Fulci. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Oh. I I, I kind of still watch it though. I, I 
you know the score is shitty. I kind of laugh at that Streets to Blame song all the time. Like when the fucking it's like fucking they're doing like a roadside dance into this song Streets to Blame. You know, <laughs> uh, you know it's just cheesy. Stupid. Well, I, yeah, yeah, and I also was like, I wanted to tell them to turn it down just because I didn't want our neighbors to think we were listening to that music. <laughs> I'm like, it is so bad, just bad. Like I, not even kitschy bad, just bad. Uh, yeah, um, Keith, Keith Emerson is just a weird. Like, if you look at like some of his credits, like he went from doing Argento's Inferno to I think the last movie that he scored was actually a movie me and Venom probably know a little bit more, and that is Godzilla Final Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he did the score to that movie, too, for Rio Kitamara. Uh, so that's weird. He went from Argento to Godzilla. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, he's a weird career. You know, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer is probably his best stuff, so just listen to that if you like that kind of stuff. You know, I actually but, really like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Um, this is not that... No, <laughs> even the score to Nighthawks is probably some of his best scores. Oh, yeah, I like that. I mean, that's that's what I think of when I think of him. But uh, here is just I mean, there's like a, a a jumble of noise. I yeah. mean, yeah, I think it was like more like because of the setting and stuff. He was trying to do something, you know, like '80s mix with like something that these girls would probably dance to. I'm guessing but, that was well, it. And the singing was terrible in the songs that they used for the dancing. And I can see, like, I really felt like they were trying to pull some flash dance out of there. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, but the the vocals were just, like, b- just, they scraped them off the basement floor. The, the vocals were so bad. I'm like, you can't pretend like this is good, you know. But, I mean, I'm glad we watched it. So that, but there are some, you know, now we can say we've watched it. There are some good. Now, first off, it doesn't feel like a Fulci film at no, all. Not at all. But uh, there are some good. Silly we've actually moments. watched oddly a lot of Fulci lately. Yeah, uh, we've been on this. It just keeps coming up. Whether it was on Joe Bob or um, we watched City of the Living Dead because we were in the seas and our collection. So he just keeps coming up recently, and he's all fresh in the brain. And this is not. What Amen. I think of when I think of Fulci. No. But it has some good silly moments. So, like, whenever the killer strikes, you see a gloved hand, naturally, come out of, like, you know, stage left holding the chloroform. And it's like, da da! And the woman goes, ah! And then just <laughs> over the face. <laughs> uh, and the worst ending of any Fulci movie, it's like lazy. It's just, yeah. you know. Uh, Ironically enough, this is weird, too. I, you know what I found out about Olga Carlados recently that I didn't even know? She's in Purple Rain. <laughs> huh. she, she plays Prince's mother in Purple Rain. Oh, wow. Nice. So I, that's if I even, saw that movie, I would not have known who she was. So. No. Uh, I only know that because I, I was like, curious. I'm like, oh, let me look this lady up because I was watching Purple Rain. I'm like, why does this lady kind of look familiar now to me? Because... I was watching maybe Zombie like for the fifth hundredth time. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, Fulci's one of my favorite directors. I'm not going to say every movie he made is a masterpiece, though. He did make probably one of the only westerns that ever made me cry, though. For the apocalypse is fucking. That ending just fucking breaks your fucking tears. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that one yet, Jamie? Actually, no. I don't. I, I haven't. 
I don't think seen any Fulci that wasn't horror. Oh, you got. And see. I know that he had a huge career outside of horror before he got into horror. Um, I but I don't think I've seen any. Oh, of Oh, if you if you love his gore, you got to see Contra Man. That's like his crime movie. It's fucking gory as all fuck. You just got to see it for that. Watch that. That's all I'll give away. And plus, uh, if you watch that and for the apocalypse back to back, you get Fabio Testi. Do roles. Nice. I uh, he is my <sighs> Baba is my all time favorite Italian director, but Fulci is right behind him. Even yeah. yes, even ahead of Argento. Well, Sorry, well, well. <laughs> everyone's like Argento or Fulci. I'm like Fulci never made fucking Dracula 3D. End of story. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he never had a fucking giant praying mantis coming at you in the hallway. No. And then he ruined his Mother of Tears trilogy with that fucking shit movie with all that fucking PlayStation 3 graphics. <laughs> uh, go back to the 22 shots episode where I talk about CGI Dara and Nickelodeon. It's amazing. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, good stuff, Murder Rock. Michael. All right. Um, I think that pick originated with Brian and Jamie, so that <laughs> means it's going back to me. Which, um, sparing everyone my Fear of the Walking Dead update, since I'm the only one literally ever watching it in the entire podcasting community, it seems like. I'm not going to give an update on it, other than to say I'm still watching it. Um, and it's gotten good in the past few seasons, so I'll just repeat that for anyone that's thinking about maybe watching it. Nope. But, hey, I, I yeah, I've done what I can do to convince people and... <laughs> Um, all right, so because I don't have anything I watched, I'll just say, hey, um, I've been playing the new, or I don't even want to say the new because it's been out on PS4, but I got the PS5 edition of Devil May Cry, really awesome game. If you like the Devil May Cry video games, hey, it looks even better on PS5. Who would have thought? Um, it's as Devil May Cry, goodish, greatish, as all the other ones were. The only Devil May Cry game I didn't play is, I think, after the fourth one, they kind of had that weird kind of reboot side game. Um, I I don't even know how you classify that one, because I think it was like it was not Dante, or it was like a different version of Dante. Um, no, so it wasn't Dante. Yeah, it was a different character. It was like Nero or something. Something like something. that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... So that's the only one I've never had. Um, I never played, but this this Devil May Cry Five it has uh, Dante, him, and like a couple other characters that probably came along at some point in the timeline. Um, I'm still relatively early in the game. I just due to lack of time to play in general. But once again, uh, with the 4K upgrade, um, the PS5 is my 4K player currently, so uh, I'm getting the benefit of being able to game in 4k with the hdr and all that good stuff and just for a mini update by the time we record our next episode since we usually you know go a few weeks between um i will have uh purchased uh the new resident evil game because that's coming out this coming out friday may 7th yeah and that's one i Mm -hmm. you know reserved ahead of time and that will be my first like true well actually you know what no the spider-man game is like a true 
PS5 game. So yeah. the Resident Evil game will be like my second actual uh, made, uh, like a next gen made game. So I can't wait. I- I'm excited. Are you all hot and bothered for the big lady? <laughs> Hell yeah! Big voluptuous lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's smoking. Seven foot vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys watched I, I, any of the gameplay? We watched a fourteen minute um, yeah. gameplay the other day, and I I am very excited. I'm really looking forward to it because I Resident Evil is one of it. When I know it is my all time favorite series. Um, Same here. And. I loved Seven so much that this one has the, the the look and the feel of that, you know, as far as, like, the aesthetics of it, that I just, I'm so excited to dig into it. I cannot wait. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am excited because, you know, before I kind of weaned off of just having time to play games, I was kind of exclusively going after horror games um other than like the really really big titles like i would always get like the newest uncharted um like if anytime they came out with like a god of war i would get it but other than that i was trying to skew towards horror gaming and now that i got the ps5 i was like waiting like what's the big first you know a plus horror title and luckily it'll be barely a month and a half after getting the ps5 that resident evil is coming out, so pretty high yeah, for that. Yeah, that's a good way to break it in with horror right there. Yeah, and next next weekend is like one of the rare... I know, I know next Saturday, I'll say at least, is one of the rare Saturdays I'll be home pretty much all day just, just scheduling stuff, so I pretty much plan to play the hell out of Resident Evil. And, uh, nice. I can't wait. So... I talked more about Resident Evil than I did actual Devil May Cry, but hey, that's how it turns out some, sometimes. But um, that's it for me, and that'll probably wrap up the What We Watch segment. We can get right into news because I only have one news item, so I'll bring it up, and then if anyone else has anything they want to add as far as news they've heard since we last recorded, perfectly okay. Um, so my news item, luckily, once again, no Robert England. Aww. Yeah, he's not in the news. Um, mine is about a sequel that could be getting written and maybe shot. Um, and that would be a, a sequel called Twilight of the Dead by George oh, yeah. yeah, that he supposedly started. Though they did complete writing it then? Well, I know they're just doing the screenplay. Um, Romero wrote the entire movie. Um, they're just transferring it to a screenplay. Like, he did the treatment, basically. Right, okay. But, yeah, it, it's, it's solidly Romero. Okay. And it sounds like... This one is going to be more of a direct follow-up to Land of the Dead, right? Because Diary was technically the events of Night of the Living Dead just kind of remixed for, like, modern era, right? And yeah, it was, that was the night of the outbreak. Right, and then Survival was, like, more like the self-contained story between the two families as opposed to, like, the world at large. It was the half-wheels of McCoy's of, dead. of the Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Now, the article I read and I'm kind of using, it 
there doesn't look to be actually many details on plot or anything, but I would just assume, I think other than the fact that this takes place, you know, obviously there's always like somewhat of a jump in time. Um, and it sounds like this is taking place when the world's pretty much been decimated of like life outside of the undead. So, you know, maybe it'll be just further apocalyptic sounding. Like I, it, it's still kind of a vague synopsis and details at least from what i've read that it's hard to you know really kind of tackle what potentially the story could be or any tidbits about it but i just thought you know this this would be pretty big if we're, if we're getting an actual sequel to one of romero's uh dead films especially because yeah within that timeline land of the dead it's been a while so the fact that it would be a direct sequel to that one, I think, is pretty exciting. I mean, I you know Romero's no longer with us, unfortunately. I this one sounds like it's getting you know well not sounds like it is getting the blessing of his wife, and it sounds like you know every all the proper channels are going through. It's not you know someone trying to do a cash grab that snatched the rights away. It's like I'm making it no matter what, without your support or all that. So. I'm crossing my fingers, you know. I I feel like Romero has a specific style um, with his movies, and I hope they try to stay true to everything we love about Romero. Well, my suggestion was to see if they could get Savini to direct it, because I don't think anyone would know the choices that George would make better than Savini. And also, he did already direct one of Romero's screenplays with the Night of the Living Dead remake, and he did an excellent job. So, I think he would be perfect to do this. But yeah, yeah. is Rubenstein still alive? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Unfor- no, unfortunately, he is because that's why. Oh, he is he? Get a, Man, I thought he was dead. That's why we <laughs> need a U. That's why we don't have a U.S. Blu-ray of Dawn. Oh right, because he has the rights in the U.S. Still. I seriously thought he died. I wish he died. <laughs> I think we were all hoping. But, you know. That's why I asked. Because I, I, I think I was with you, Jamie. I thought he was, but wasn't sure. Yeah. Because it seemed like something he'd want to do um, if he was still, you know, with us and working. It seems like something he'd want to jump on, assuming you know Savini wouldn't want to. I agree with Jamie. Savini's the obvious choice, but. Even he hasn't really been directing lately, right? No, he hasn't. No, he's supposed to be uh, making his Nightmare City that he had full, like, Kickstarter Indiegogo money. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't been really doing anything other than being <laughs> popping up on documentaries that that I've seen lately. Didn't he just get injured, too, recently? Yes, he did. Um, got hit by a car. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was very recent. It was like last week or week nah, before or something like that? A couple weeks ago, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, man, I forgot about that. Damn. You don't. Uh, damn. Thanks for bringing yeah. us all down, Derek. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, 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 yeah, that's, I don't know about this until they actually do pick a director and see which direction they're going. That's the only thing. Because yeah. uh, you need a director to foresee the whole project. Yeah, and, and know, I don't want can, it to be some shitty director. I don't that or somebody who doesn't know. That's why I say Savini, just because. Uh, and and honestly, since that whole car thing, I'm not sure how long it'd be before he'd be doing anything anyway. But that's why I say him, just because I feel like he knows what George would have done. Like I, I feel like he knows him better than anybody else, as far as 
the choices he would make, what the look that he would want, you know, plus, like I said, he already has experience directing one of his screenplays. It, I just immediately, that's the first thing that popped into my head. The guy, when we were watching the news about this, uh, or like on, there was a YouTuber that we watched that read, you know, was talking about this article. He mentioned Del Toro. As much as I love Del Toro, it, it just, they're not the same. They don't he have the have same. He would have fairies and elves. and They don't have the same aesthetic <laughs> at all. And he's a beautiful director. I just don't feel like he would do what Romero would do in no. the least. No. You know? So I don't think that's a good choice. Uh, the only thing that I can know is if Del Toro did it, Ron Perlman would be in there with a wig somewhere. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Playing some weird character like he always does in Del Toro. <laughs> He's the best part of Pacific Rim. I do not care what anybody says. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that little after credits thing where he comes cutting Where's out my the- shoe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. that. I mean, I... I guess Savini, you guys are right in saying Savini is kind of like the standout obvious pick for it. I'm just trying to think if the studios don't go for that, or I don't even know what studio would be behind it necessarily, but if they wouldn't go for him, you have to get someone that at least is familiar with the Romero's style and would, you know, respect it and try Because why else even greenlight this unless you are, you know, Trying that's a, to keep it within that realm. That's another thing that scares me too, Mike. What if a bigger studio does pick the script up, and they want changes done, and then it ends up being changed less to like what Romero's original vision had? I'd like to hope that his wife wouldn't allow that because I know she's been working on trying to get this done for several years, and <sighs> I would like to think that she would be protective of who she allows to touch this. But yeah, then money. Yeah, but hopefully that's not her motivation. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it would be totally mine if something happened to you. But I know, you know it would be. <laughs> yeah, because I know that's kind of one of the experiences why he went back to doing like the diaries and survival of the dead style budgets because of his experience with land. Oh, he hated working with the the studio. Yeah, and swore to never do it again. So and he didn't. And he didn't. <laughs> so hopefully they wouldn't do that to him now. Yeah, I'm just curious still because, you know, I don't want any, like, you know, it could end up like fucking the last two fucking day of the dead remakes for all we know with like a rewrite or something. Uh, yeah, or like, remember when Creepshow 3 came out? Like that. <laughs> yeah. Mercifully, I had forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be the interesting balance because I'm sure they don't want it. They don't want to shut themselves out to where it like ends up being some ridiculously micro budget where they can't do anything in the movie, but then also they don't want to go somewhere that's going to be like, well, we're going to buy the rights to the script actually. And we're going to change it to how we want it and how we think it should be. And then then you've got world war Z. Right. And then once you have the rights out of your own hands, it's like, well, what choice do you have at that point? I mean, you can protest all you want, but it's not going to stop it. Once the studios have ownership over it. So, It'll be interesting. Well, that's the point see, is that I don't think know. her, I don't think Romero's wife is going to sell the rights to the movie. I hope not. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think she would. I don't. I don't think she would. No, that would no, be incredibly. It's gorgeous last movie. No way. Yeah, no, that would be incredibly dishonorable to, yeah. uh, to his legacy 
and to his wishes. Like, I just don't think she would. And let, I, honestly, I don't know anything about his new wife uh, or newer wife. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh, so who knows? Like, I don't know. I knew Christine. I don't know anything about Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne. Um, so I don't know what kind of um, I don't know what kind of relationship they had or what. I'm just hoping that she would want to be reverent. There's a lot of cigarettes and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, The Walking Dead's coming to a close. Maybe they could just give it to Nicotero. Honestly, I'd be okay with Nicotero. I mean, he's really like, directly. So he was a I'm yeah. Good. He I, he would. I feel like he would do it right. He would treat it well. Yeah, as long as he respect it. I'd, I'd be cool with Nicotero. What's uh, what's maybe Darabont even Darabont? That's it. Because I was gonna say the showrunner of the first like yeah, two we, seasons was Darabont yeah, before Darabon. he got like thrown off for reasons that yeah, he, uh, has he, still he, caused yeah, he, lawsuits. <laughs> he needs to come back. Why not? Sure. Yeah. So I mean, there's names out but, there. To, but the only thing that I would say if Darabont didn't, he would probably want to do a rewrite of it too, because he usually writes his own stuff. Which, yeah, but I'm thinking. But he's if, look at look at the screenplays he's done for Stephen King. He is incredibly respectful of the source material. That's so true too. That's I think true, he true. would. I think he would be the same way with Romero. Particularly considering that Romero's dead. This is like his legacy. This is the last thing that'll ever come from him. I really feel like Darabont is the type of person who would respect that. Hey, <laughs> any, anybody who wrote the Blob remake was okay in my book. Yeah, I mean, he's damn good. There's very, very few things that I've seen that he has written that I am not a fan of. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. The other day that he was um, he was one of the of three writers. I don't remember now what it was, but I was like, hey, Darabont was one of the three writers the fl- on this film. Was it The Fly too? No, it was, actually. And no, we didn't watch it because I, I will never watch that movie again. I watched it years and years and years ago and swore I would never watch it again. But we were watching a video about it, and... I was like, oh, I didn't realize Darabont was a writer on that. Well, uh, and then you see the other writer, the other writers, McGarrett. You're like, oh, yeah. no wonder. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he also wrote Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. He hates that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, so hopefully, I mean, this has the potential to get made. But then we also have that, uh, what the, that I, I can't remember the name of the amusement park movie that is going to be hitting shutter sometime i think in the oh. near future that romero wrote and made and that was never released um looks interesting i mean it's a totally different genre it's not a zombie movie at all um but it looks you know it's from romero so i'm definitely going to be checking it out uh, I, just, I just want them to make a biopic of mr george romero's years with mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> With Tom Hanks rephrasing his role as Mr. Rogers. Uh, I used to work at WRS um, Film and Video Lab, which is where um, George's production company was based out of. And I actually saw, like, I was was flipping through the vaults one day, and I actually found um, Night of the Living Dead footage uh, that had never been used, that wasn't in the movie. Um, It it was footage that wasn't really usable. It was really dirty-looking and old, but it was just really cool seeing deleted scenes that I don't think anyone has seen outside of uh, Pittsburgh. So. Did you steal it? I wish I could, but they were one of a kinds. They would have noticed. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn. And the, and I, I thought about making like a DVD of it, like just transferring it because we did have the transfer machines there. 
the problem is is that um, the machine keeps automatic logs. So they oh. would have seen that somebody transferred something after hours, I, and I just would have gotten caught. So that sucked. Is, is it like yeah, all Pittsburgh the, was awesome. Was ah, you would have got caught, but you would have had, had legend status for life. Probably. <laughs> assuming I didn't get arrested. Yeah. True. <laughs> assuming you could actually escape with them and not have to return. Oh, I don't know what happened. I uh, got yeah, out of there and they right. fell out of my Like Maybe pocket. on my last day, I should have thought about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I just want to hear that. Like, Hello, George. It's me and Fred. What movie are you making now? Day of the Dead. You want to see Kilps? Maybe later, neighbor. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, I, I saw a bunch of the commercials that Romero filmed, uh, a couple of the uh, like training videos that he did. He did like a couple of industrial training videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, actually we seen had, like, of those. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, why they still had all this stuff in the vault and why it wasn't with Romero's family was beyond me. But this was the 90s, too. So he was still alive and well. Yeah. This would have been 97, 98 when I worked at that lab. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, Romero just was ahead of his time, because, you know, I watched The Crazies a couple, like, last year, like, 2020, and you're like, like, really? That movie was legitimately what the fuck was happening now. (laughs) It was, like, insane. During that time period when I was watching that movie, it was like, he was ahead of the game, and all the respect to him, and, you know, I'm curious on this, I just want to see... That it gets in the right hands if it is finally made, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for oh, sure. Because yeah. like like Jamie said, the last thing we want to see is like, oh, oh, Twilight of the Dead, and then it's like World War Z. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I I'm hoping that they'll keep it in the back of their mind that if they fuck this up, they're gonna piss off a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm more worried about like Day of the Dead two contagion level. <sighs> no, nothing's gonna be that bad. I, I couldn't imagine they'll even film anything that bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Bloodlines was worse though. If they, if they go down that road, it's like it you're was. not even making it for any audience because even the people you probably intended to like those zombie movies, they didn't like it either. So it's like don't oh. even flirt with that idea. I didn't really hate where. Yeah, the zombies are all CGI, but you know, I didn't really hate the the movie. It was just not my cup of tea. I would say it was. I didn't say it was badly made. Uh, I'll say it was badly made. <laughs> hey, man, hey, which hey. one are you talking about? Contagion? Or are you talking about Bloodlines? Or are you talking? I'm talking about World War Z. Oh, oh okay. Oh, okay. Um, no, that movie wasn't poorly made. It's just an no. atrocity that should have never happened. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was made as well as any other giant blockbuster movie that would have t- tackled something like that. But the problem is, it wasn't even close to the source material. No. At all. It ignored the book completely. And there was, so it was pointless. It was completely pointless. May as well have just made that movie, called it something totally different, and then, you know, went about your day because you didn't make the book. I was was honestly more excited for the sequel, but that never came out because it was supposed to be directed by David Fitchner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if the movie wasn't called World War Z, I probably wouldn't hate it as much. Yeah. that it's supposed to be tied to that brilliant book, but they ignore it? Nah, not at all. I wouldn't hate it as much. I still wouldn't like it. I'm not a fan of the whole zombies move as ants thing. And they're just yeah. crawling over yeah, each other. Yeah, the hordes are a little... Yeah. It's, a, it's a little bit I Am Legend to oh, me. Oh, and that's another movie. You know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And that's a, yeah, that's another. Why can't you just make the fucking yes. book? What is wrong with people that they can't just make the book? Just because make the fucking producers book. get in there and they think they know better. You know, I have a vision and audiences today don't want to see just slow moving things. They they need fast. They need frenetic. And it's like, no, fuck off. No, nope. yeah. they need good writing and good yeah. acting. That's what we need. And now yeah. I need that book. Because the book, yes. the book is fucking brilliant. Yeah. It is, and the way it's yep. set up, um, I think that a film set up that way would be really cool to watch. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, I, I, it just blows my mind. I, it, needs, it, it needs to be Flanagan. That's what it needs. Batman. I could go with a Flanagan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? She's doing Stephen King's revival next, so let's see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Fun. All right, Mike. What's what's next? Is it burning question time? Yeah, if no one has any. Oh wait, wait, wait! Breaking, breaking break news. Robert England just said that Freddy Krueger <laughs> might return in 2024. With they recreate the scene from South Park where he saved the kid, the Russians, by killing all those kids from the 80s. Then he has to kill Woodsy the Owl live action. <laughs> I legitimately thought you were gonna be like. Breaking news: Robert England set to direct Twilight of the Dead. <laughs> I thought that's exactly what he was going to oh, say. Oh, 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 wait, 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 oh, more breaking news: Robert England said he will direct Twilight of the Dead, and it will start, <laughs> and it will start Stephen Jeffries, his star of Nine Seven Six Evil. And, I love Nine Seven Six Evil. And as an article update, he said he's willing to don the makeup one more time for Twilight of the Dead. Oh. I don't know. He was a directed. Twilight of the Dead dressed as Freddy Krueger. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, it can't be as... Uh, well, actually, after seeing Killer Pad, maybe I don't want oh, yeah. to direct Twilight of the Dead. Because that movie's <laughs> fucking awful. <Yeah>. <laughs> Alright. We will move on from our news section to hit this episode's burning question. <laughs> Um, all right, so last episode, I kind of pulled a hot take off Twitter. We're not going with a hot take this time, much to everyone's, but especially Venom's uh, happiness. Space, the final frontier. <laughs> so this one is based around a tweet, but I promise it's not a hot take. The person who who tweeted it, uh, the horror chick, or at the horror chick, she's been around for a while i know she started i think it during central went to daily dead maybe she's still i'm not sure if she's still there but uh you know she's an actual legitimate horror person um so uh she tweeted out um and here the quote starts this is something i've been thinking about as i don't know if i have any answers how come okay how come we as movie fans can forgive when older movies or an older movie isn't perfect, and and parentheses, and in some cases celebrate that it isn't, but we demand perfection and new releases. Question mark. Is it nostalgia? Something else? And then her subtweet. I think there's legitimately a really great discussion to be had around this idea, and I'm fascinated why we hold new movies up to higher standards than movies from the past. Anyway, food for thought, and I'd love to hear your ideas. Okay, horror chick. Maybe we got some ideas. Now, I'll, I'll say, like, this, it's kind of a loaded question because 
the way I see it, it, it really, it's hard to say across the board. There's one answer. I think it really kind of depends. Well, what movies are we talking about? What genres, what, what everything? Because I mean, I, I agree that there's plenty of new releases that are really good, just as good as anything that came out when I was growing up. Um, so, you know, I guess the way we're going to answer this the best we can to make it general, I, I don't really want to make it about like specific, well, this movie versus that movie. I also thought like by totally unplanned, it's kind of a, a topic that can relate to the movies we're actually doing, which I don't even think we mentioned yet, but uh, Derek's picks, because I know at least three, uh, three of us with me kind of like coming in right behind them kind of grew up in that era. And the movies we're going to be talking about shortly kind of probably, cause I think uh, the horror chick or her, her name's Heather. Uh, Heather she, yeah. Heather and she she's is with daily dead now. Right, and, and I believe she's somewhere in our age group, probably somewhere between me, Jamie, Brian, Venom, probably somewhere in there. So I'm assuming when she uses the word nostalgia, she's probably referring to that kind of 80s, mid-80s, late 80s, early 90s era. And hopefully I've not ran on too much where you don't even remember the question anymore. Kind of. Um, yeah. <laughs> Venom, as much of the question as you can remember do you do you have uh, an answer for this? Pass. <laughs> All I right. have an answer. Okay, Jamie, uh, go. I don't think it's true. Yeah, I'm and, calling bullshit. And I will, and I'll tell you exactly why. And all you have to do is look at the monumental success and the bucket loads of money that Sharknado has made. That all of the movies that purposely attempt to be bad have made. We don't demand that movies be perfect now. And um, and also, there are movies in the, from the past, quite a few of them, that I am happy to look at and go, that ain't good. Um, it's, if a movie's not good, it's not good. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if I saw it back then or not. Um, Brian and I were just talking about, oh, the one movie I've ever walked out of was The Keep. Yeah, and I tried to watch it again about ten years ago. Still, still didn't like it. So, um, it's not. I, I don't think that that's even. And people love to say that. And I, I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, that particularly retaining, refrain, sorry, particularly referring to '80s films. That you know we give them a lot of slack, but I don't think it's true. I really don't. And uh, I, I think that people. See things that maybe I think there's a difference between being able to see something and appreciate what they were trying to do uh, versus, you know, letting it get by with it. And um, because you can like something and still recognize that it has failed in some areas and you can also dislike something and recognize that it exceeded in some areas. But also... If we're talking about the 80s, let's stick with that. Between then and now, how many years is that? 40. How many years have you had... Almost. How many years have you had to build upon what came before? How many years have you had to... rely on better special effects? 
rely on what's come before to see what worked and what didn't and make something better. Also, well, if you look at a movie that was made back then by someone who was making it outside the studio system, for instance, they had a very low budget. You had to really want to make a fucking movie to get a movie made back then because making a movie on film is expensive. And now... Anybody can Anyone do can do it with an iPhone. It's not it's not out of the realm of possibility for anyone. So I think that we if if you do look at films today and expect them to do a little bit more, it's because you can do a little bit more. It's easier to do a little bit more. There is no excuse to not. But also again, I mean, you've had you know three decades or more to perfect your craft, to do better. To see what's come before, to build upon. I mean, just the excuses get less and less the further you go down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know that uh, this certain thing did not work, you shouldn't try to do it again. And yet people still do. But now you've got people purposely trying to make bad movies. Which I don't think is ever a good idea because no. if, if it's not genuinely, it just it doesn't come off right. I don't think you can manufacture a – this term's been running to the ground. But I don't think you can manufacture a so bad it's good yeah. uh, film. It, mm-hmm. it, it comes off as disingenuous. Intentional camp never works. But – uh, you know, if we were that demanding of new releases, why and why would people be striving for that? Yeah. You know, so I, I just don't think that that's a true statement. And that's my take on it. mine too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, and I, the other thing too is like I, I think um, referring to like the audience or you know genre fans it's it's not one homogenous group there there's a lot of people there's older fans younger fans fans from all walks of life and you know i i don't even i I, there's plenty of people that don't have appreciation for older stuff period i mean because you can even twist it around and say what's with all the fans that won't watch or care about anything prior to the 90s period like they just have no interest or you know they've tried to watch a couple things and they're they just what's with can't. all the fans <laughs> yeah what's the deal? I say, I say. what's the deal yeah so uh, i mean uh, it, it's it's a diverse group of people uh, yeah. horror fans and everyone likes the, the different things i mean i i also don't agree that you know criticism of modern movies necessarily it's because they're they're not you're you're necessarily not comparing something new to something old you're just taking the movie for what it is and saying it's not good also you can you can like a movie and just think it's not as good as another movie and depend regardless of when the movie came out so like if if something came out you know this year that a bunch of people some or you know one group of people really liked Maybe the other group of people just think it's okay. It doesn't mean it's because, well, it's not as good as something that came out in 1984. It's just because they don't, you know, they legitimately just don't think the movie itself is as good. Thirdly, and this point is probably, I'll make specifically for me, um, because I, you know, this is another generalization that I don't want to speak for anyone else out of me, but 
I do have like some nostalgia with stuff I grew up, but not because it's not no so much because I think that era is any better than any other, generally speaking. But I will say there's a lot of movies that, you know, you grow up watching over and over. You kind of learn the nuances of them. You your opinions change on them over time, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Most modern movies, I don't have the time to rewatch things five, six times like I used to. So whatever kind of my initial reaction on them is that opinion of them usually ends up standing a lot more than movies I grew up with where I might watch them, you know, eight, nine, ten times by the time, you know, a year goes by just because I rewatched a lot more. Um, so, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a big question that's very loaded with a lot of different ways to approach it. But Derek, I know you were going to say something. So what do you, what do you got? Well, first speaking of, uh, glamorizing, uh, I want to state, I actually didn't grow up with the two movies that I picked tonight. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, they were some, ironically, the reason I picked the theme, these movies are as old as I am. <laughs> they both came out in the same year I was born so I couldn't grow up with them I didn't actually see the first movie until four years ago so oh, wow so that's how I don't have really any nostalgia for a few of these movies I've seen them a few times after but I watched them with people too in that sense but uh, other than that there's a lot of older movies that I don't really, let's just say this, even if I do rate something high, I still nitpick the fuck out of it. Like say Halloween, that fucking alarm was going off the whole day and the fucking cops just came to the scene after Lori gets out of school. Come on, (laughs) come on, come on Carpenter. You can't pull that on me. Michael robbed that store 16 hours ago, and then they finally come to the fucking... (laughs) Uh, But besides the point, you know, I still nitpick a lot of older movies that I watch, even ones I've seen before. And I also nitpick a lot of the newer movies, because I have to give those movies time to settle. I'm not going to give a movie a fucking 10 out of 10 besides, like, Shin Godzilla, which I fucking loved first time I've seen her for obvious reasons. I just, I gotta, some movies I have to space out the time in of them. You know, exactly like, say like I watch a new James Wan movie. I'm sorry, Jamie, I had to use him as an example. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to be nice. Uh, you have to, have some subtleties because I rewatched the movie with James Wan that I actually liked more. This rewatch that I had with him. Sometimes you, some newer movies you had to have a little bit more experience with them to appreciate what they were doing, and you see little hints of things that you see. And plus, you I grew a lot more as a film reviewer since I last time I seen that movie. But uh, I still have problems with it. Uh, let's just say the whole. Well, let's just say a singing scene that comes in the middle of a movie. Uh, but that's besides the point. But uh, I still I still critique film either way. Like, you know, me and Venom disagree on movies all the time. 
But that's okay. If we liked everything, this would be fucking boring what we're doing right now. It's okay, because maybe one day he could see the movie for the way I see it one day. And maybe one day a movie that he liked more. Like I didn't like Terrified the first time. Well, I liked it, but I didn't really get the gist of everything going on in the plot till I just rewatched it a few weeks ago recently. And I like that movie a lot more now. So it's that I'm that type of reviewer. If it's something newer that I'm just refreshing with, you know, I I I could see I like it more. If it's something that I grew up with, like like my genre that I grew up with is the giant monster movie, which is a very hard genre to critique because the first thing that comes out are usually people that don't watch these movies. It's just fucking guys in rubber suits. It's fake. It looks fake. It's supposed. To, it's fucking. It's an art form. It's fucking. That's how they cast people in these movies. It's special effects. They do it with the budgets they have, and sometimes it's better than others. I'll agree. But I like that. It's just two dudes wrestling in giant suits, and you gotta remember, those suits almost killed a lot of these actors wearing them. So you gotta respect. Them the art form for what it is, even if it looks fucking cheesy in some senses, you know? So it's just the way of the world and, you know, different reviewers will like other things and, you know, it's just the way, you know, we all have different opinions on movies and we all nitpick certain things and we all have our own nitpicks about certain. Mm -hmm. And you, you brought up terrified. That's the Arctic clown one, right? No, no, not terrified. Uh, the, the Spanish film, because you know, Terif- Oh, okay. I know. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the first time I watched that, I didn't have like the setup to watch shutter on my TV yet. So I watched that on a laptop. So it wasn't really the best way to watch it, that film. But then I watched it on my TV. Cause I rewatched it. Cause maybe like somebody would pick that during the summer series or something. I'm trying to get ahead of the curve. To see what movies do get picked for that. Uh, you know, it's like you, I, I got to see more of the story. Even like some of the scenes that I thought were creepy when I first watched it were even more creepier. I got a more gist of the acting and the style of film. So you just get that with rewatches, especially with the first time I watched train boo Busan, I was watching it on my fucking phone and I was like, CGI dare fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, Train to Busan's a, like people are like it's a great movie, but then it still it suffers from like the same thing that World War Z does with the 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 ant mentation because there's a whole scene where these CGI zombies turn into a giant wall, but I forgive it in this because the story's fucking great in that movie, you know, but uh, you know, I still nitpick a lot of things even in movies I love. You know, I don't say everything's a fucking perfect movie, even if I do rate it like Zombies, my favorite horror movie of all time. You know, I have to deal with things like uh, bad worm placement, you know, like <laughs> fucking, uh, that's a callback to one of my first shows I ever did. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just the way you have to deal with it. And, you know, it's just, you could argue with people, but it's more fun to be like, yeah, I get you. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think what it basically comes down to is judging every movie on its own merit and not so much compared to others. I mean, but the but Brian does make the point. It's like, well, we are nearly forty years on from that 
era but, now, and, and it's but, like, but, yes, but, if, if, but, if, if you see tropes and repeats of things you've seen throughout the years, yes, that can be a valid criticism. Yeah, there's a movie that I always hated, and uh, it wasn't because I'm the, the director. I, I never liked Jeepers Creepers. It was so fucking generic for me. It was just too, you know, but uh, now that I, like, everybody's like, now, I, who didn't know about Victor Salva then? Know about him? It's just, like, it's a monster with a male gaze, you know, like, no shit. But uh, it, it was just fucking boring for me, that movie. It's just, half the movie is just him driving a fucking car until the ending, really. <laughs> you know, and then Ellen Barkin's the second best part as the crazy cat lady. But, uh, That's not I, Ellen Barkin. Eileen Bar- it's the lady. I, it's Eileen this. Brenner. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> you, know, you know what I meant. <laughs> uh, I love Jeepers Creepers, and I'll tell you why. Because when I saw that, I saw it at the drive-in on my birthday. And on the we, the drive-in back in Athens was way out in the sticks. Like, we had to drive uh, 45 minutes to get to it, and it was way out in the middle of nowhere. On the way home, something ran out and didn't even run. Something just rolled out. It, we don't even know what it was, but it wasn't. it didn't look like an animal. It was bizarre, but something came out in front of our car and caused us to have a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. And we had just, we were coming home from seeing a movie about, you know, uh, people driving on a country road and it scared the shit out of us. It was hilarious. And that will, that totally enhanced my viewing experience. Yeah. It will always be very special to me because of that, because it couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, fortunately, I, our other our friends were in front of us, and they noticed that they couldn't see our headlights anymore, so they came back and uh, to see what was going on with us, and then you know helped us get out of there. But um, that was uh, that was classic. That was a classic moment in my life. Maybe if that happened, maybe I would enjoy that view, and <laughs> you know, but. You, you you get what I mean. Like you, you like. No, I do. Yeah, no, I do. That was a very personal experience for me. Yeah. No, not everyone got to do that, or not everyone went through that. So, I can't expect people like. What do you mean you don't like the movie because I got trapped on the side of the road in the middle of the night after watching it? Like it, you know. Obviously, I don't expect that this, to happen. And this is actually weird because you know it's actually even more apparent in the second movie, but I actually enjoy the second movie a little bit more because it has my boy Ray Wise in it. <laughs> it's like this crazy Ahab dude, and I love everything about that character. <laughs> but, I love uh, everything about Ray Wise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's even more bad in that movie because there's this whole you know, kid guys with no shirts and then the whole scene where the creepers smelling their fear. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just weird. You know, but that, that's a whole other fucking story and, you know, thing that I don't want to get into because that, that's its own fucking topic in general. But, uh, you know, like, I can't watch uh, a movie I used to love back in the day at Pupil because every time, because Brian Singer is like fucking, it's male gaze for Brad Renfro in that movie and it's so obvious when you watch, it's like that kind of thing. You know, it's like, ugh. You know, but, yeah, it's just weird in that sense where, there's other like you just outgrow certain things because I used to love this certain movie like I used to love a lot of the even like we're gonna be talking about a director at night I still love a lot of the movies he puts out even though they're like filled with CGI but they still have 
campy things in them that I fucking love that he still does. He still, you know, Jim Warnowski's like the guy who makes, he went from Chopping Mall to Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre and Godspeed, good sir. Godspeed. He's my friend on Facebook, by the way. So I'll be sending this episode to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, there's some, like, things that I like more than others, and it's all right. You know, me and Venom blush over sci-fi channel movies because we like them, and there's a lot of people that don't. You know? Yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, it's like with uh, my point earlier, like, the diverse opinions and thoughts um, and tastes of uh, horror genre fans, you know, there's different elements that make a movie good or great or bad or boring or interesting to different people. And sometimes, uh, you know, when, when you're thinking things are veering towards a nostalgic route, it could just be they're pointing out the elements of a movie they enjoy, but then when you actually hear their rating, they don't rate the movie like it's a nine or a ten. They're just saying, "Well, here's the, here's the aspects of the movie I found entertaining." And usually, you would do the same thing with a a modern movie too. I mean, you know, I, I I'm not I don't give many movies a nine or a ten, regardless rather regardless of when they came out, just because I try to reserve movies I think in that high of a regard. For ones that you know are really just jaw droppingly, droppingly is that even a word? <laughs> jaw dropping, good or excellent. Um, but I try to do that regardless of when the movie came out. It's not really an error, you know, what era it came out. So yeah, I mean, I you know I was cruising through the Twitter feed. It seems like most of the responses she got were similar to things we're saying. I mean, most people are just saying, well, it's it's a hard question to answer in the first place because it just is a it's a huge generalization. So people are just trying to answer it from their personal point of view on, you know, how they think of movies. But I think most people are like, you know, it's it doesn't really matter the era you like what you like. And if, if you know, if there's something that comes out in 2021 that replicates the things you like about movies, from a different era, then so be it. You'll probably end up liking that movie a lot if they managed to throw in a new twist into that movie to make it uh, even better, then you're all for it. And if they don't and it knocks the movie down a peg, then so be it. Yeah, you know, like, you know what would make my 2021 better? More movies with Robert Englund. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I. I wouldn't. I, I'm surprised he, people more don't try to grab him, but maybe you know, maybe he's just content. Is he, with, isn't he supposed to be in the new season of Stranger Things? I think so. That'd be amazing. Uh, where the hell if is that actually, show coming out? I don't even know if they filmed it yet. No, it's, it's, totally it's not even filmed. It'd be amazing if Robert England plays a Russian. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's one picture in his Russian accent movie. Like you sound like the Swedish chef. <laughs> borg, 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 borg. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Uh. Well, Venom. Do you have any thoughts to finish us out? Or are you sticking Pass. to your pass? <laughs> He's still angry after movies. that space one that you fucking tortured him with last time. Oh God. Well, that, that space one was like 
definition of a hot take. I, I didn't really find this one to be so much of a hot this, take, just more generalized question. No, this is an absolute hot take. She's making a broad statement. Um, and she's talking about horror fans. Like she knows every fucking horror fan on the planet. She probably doesn't even know every horror fan in her fucking hometown, but she's going to make a broad generalized statement. Like she's speaking for me. Fuck her. <laughs> she was asking a question. Not making Good a man. <laughs> no, she's making a fucking statement. And if you don't understand that, Mike, you're a fucking idiot. That was absolutely 100% a hot take. Don't fucking even try to tell me it wasn't. 100%. She's trying to put her opinions out as the opinion of the general horror community. And she's wrong. So I don't give a shit. Venom, it is so hot when you get hot. <laughs> I swore I wasn't going to uh, fucking talk. I, I hey, but we're on your side. So you, you, time. You, hey, we're hey, on hey. your side. You got back up. Check it out. My nipples are hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm putting on goodbye horses right now, and we're just all gonna dance. Do it. Well, that's actually what he was doing. I mean, he I was basically you, when you, Brian just now reminded me of Jay in uh, <laughs> in Clerks too. But uh, <laughs> I uh, no, I mean, well, I mean, you you heard us. I don't think it's true. I nope. don't think I don't think it's a fair statement, and I think it's a bullshit statement. Yep. But you know, there's yeah, even my like when I was talking, like, I, I it's pretty much the same thing, like. I was saying, pretty much. Well, I had to sacrifice my well-being to the listeners to get Venom to speak on it, and it was successful. <laughs> and it we was, got our good Venom it, rant. That was the last. That was the the only time I ever heard Venom get that angry yell was like when he guest starred on the top ten of twenty two shots, and then <laughs> JP said tigers aren't afraid, wasn't horror. He's like, you fucking idiot! What do you fucking mean? It's not horror. Goddamn! I, I think I told him to shut the fuck up. You did. <laughs> yeah. I remember completely because I was just shocked because I. Well, never... it's just you know because there's a reason I reacted the way I did, and that's because Tigers Are Not Afraid is my number one horror film of 2019. But yeah. we hadn't we hadn't even gotten halfway through our list yet, and then he makes that statement, and I'm like, "Whoa, you're gonna invalidate my number one movie of the year before I even got to it." Wow, nice. It was, no, it was actually the beginning of the show and that happened. Yeah, it was very early, yeah. We might not have even gotten into the top ten yet, but no, yeah. No, it's like the intro still. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I love that kind Eddie, of passion, though. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. It's like you get that passion behind. That's I what tr- I'm talking about. Now you're talking to I try not to get heated. I, I try you know? so hard not to get heated. I don't want people. No, let you know? it go, man. Let your freak flag fly. Get pissed. I love it. That was some of my favorite moments when I was podcasting <laughs> all the time. Is let me go. Piss me off. I want you to. And, oh. uh, you know, uh, sometimes I would think back after the show was over. I was like, God damn, did I go too far that time? Like, I was. <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I went too far when I invited uh, violence on Chloe Grace Moretz after we reviewed Greta. <laughs> if I remember correctly, I actually said anybody in L.A. who ever sees her in a Starbucks, please smack her in the mouth for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary because she's starting to look like Leg- Legolas from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but if he ate like five donuts. That's that's offensive to Orlando Bloom. <laughs> hey, I love Orlando Bloom, too, but he only acts in one style. Hey, I'm just curious, what the hell would JP classify Tigers Aren't Afraid of as if it's not a horror? Because it's clearly horror to me. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know. So, honestly, I shouldn't have reacted the way I did. To each his own. If you don't think it's horror, that's fine. I mean, horror is subjective. I have 
I have no problem with calling Maximum Overdrive horror as much as I hate it and as much as I don't look at it as a legitimate horror film. That's just my personal opinion. Doesn't make me right and anyone else wrong or vice versa. It's hey. just. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know me. I'm the guy who, the, you know, like I love Saw Spontaneous last year, but I didn't think it was a horror movie. And, you know, I got reactions like that, too. But, you know, it's like, you know, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever floats your boat. And it's hard because there's so many movies like that. Like even Carnage Park, it's like, is it horror, but it's more exploitation? You know, it's like, you know, it's kind of hard to, because there's so many different subgenres mixing with other genres. It's like Inception. <laughs> Yeah, well, and a lot of a lot of films that really aren't horror films get lumped in with horror simply because we are the only audience that will accept them. Because sometimes they're so over the top violent that only a horror fan could really appreciate yeah. something like that. Uh, like Cell Block Ninety Nine, I I don't think that's at all a horror film because but, it's not because it's not. But I but it's it, a great film. But it's incredibly violent, and I don't. Uh, and know of many just normies who would be willing to sit through something that oh, bloody. I, lo- but... I, I love all Gala's film, that guy's movies. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, did, yeah. You, did you guys all see Drag Across Concrete? Yes. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jennifer Carpenter's death scene in that movie. Fucking, oh, I died laughing because I was expecting <laughs> it so much. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that was a side tangent, but I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Mike, let's move on before I quit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, in the interest of Venom not quitting, we're actually going to take a break and come back with Derek's picks. Derek, I guess it's a good time to let everyone know what your picks were that we'll be talking about. Yes, uh, there is no theme this episode, people. Besides, these movies are as old as I am because it's my birthday week. And that is... We're doing two movies from 1986, the year of my birth. It's your birthday, and we want you to have fun. It's your <laughs> birthday. Oh, speaking of, you know, hilarious enough, I just I, I should have talked about that movie in the because I watched that recently too, and I love that movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're doing two movies from '86: Witchboard from Kevin Tenney and Chopping Mall from Jim Warnowski. So. Yeah, we'll be back right after this, I guess. David? Are you here? Can you hear me? It began at a party. (laughs) It was only a game. David, will you return to the living one day? David, are you all right? Yeah, he's all right. He's just a little dead, that's all. Shut up, Jim! What's he gonna do, haunt me? Hello, Linda. This is Brandon. I just realized I left my Ouija there the other night. I'm having some friends over Sunday, and they want to use it. Besides, I want to contact David and see if he's calmed down yet. David, are you here? Are you still angry at Jim? David, where are you? Man, don't tell me you bought that crap with Brandon and Edward. Oh, please. Poor David, you should know how to hold a grudge, don't you? David? 
I want to bring a medium by your apartment as soon as possible to exercise the spirit. Okay, let's talk to some ghosts. David, where are you? You! Did you cause that accident at the site? David, don't lie to me. When someone uses a Ouija alone, like Linda, she's very susceptible to the spirits she contacts. And the wrong spirit will take advantage of this. Pretty soon, all she wants to do is use the board. And once that's done, he's able to possess her. Linda has made contact. Linda, unlock the door. David is here, and he's playing for real. It isn't a game anymore. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It's dead meat. But you're never alone in the chopping mall. Shopping costs you an arm and a leg. And we are back, everybody, and we're up with the first movie of the night. 1986's Witchboard, written and directed by Kevin Tenney, uh, director of such films as Witch Trap, Night of the Demons, Pinocchio's Revenge. That movie sucks. (coughs) And uh, not Peter Jackson's brain dead, but the brain dead from 2007, which is actually pretty good. It was kind of a different take on the zombie genre that I kind of liked. But, uh, yeah, Witchboard. Uh, Pretty much uh, the plot synopsis here is when his girlfriend becomes dangerously obsessed with the ghost that she contacted using a Ouija board. Ouija, that comes important. Uh, Jim reluctantly joins forces with her ex, his own estranged childhood friend, to identify and exercise the evil spirit. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much a pretty good synopsis, other than, uh, you know, this movie's 80s is all hell, you know, it's got that classic Kevin Tenney's Brothers soundtrack to it that... I kind of like, I kind of like his score tonight of the demons, maybe a little bit more uh, than this one, but uh, it's still a pretty good solid score. And, you know, the first time I seen this was actually a few years ago. And uh, actually, I know this was released by anchor Bay back in the day. I never know why I never picked that DVD up. Uh, I only picked it up because I like the scream factory cover art a little bit more. Maybe that was why I picked it up. Finally pop my cherry on which board. Uh, but, uh, I enjoyed it when I first saw it, you know, uh, I thought it was fun and, you know, I was, then I found out it was from the same director as Night of the Demons, which I love. I love Night It's a great party movie for me. Uh, Goddamn straight. 
That that's probably a more nostalgic Eat a movie. bowl of fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Stooge, my favorite character. That's a little bit more nostalgic pick for me. If I if I was gonna go for a nostalgic pick, that would be Night of the Demons, is because it's one of my top five favorite horror films of all time. That one, but Witchboard's no slouch. You know, I like how kind of serious this movie takes itself, subject matter, even like with the history of like a Ouija board and stuff like that. They, you know, even getting like the pronunciation of the name right, Ouija instead of Ouija, Ouija. You know, you know. Yeah. You, you, you know, it's still a, you know, it's still good because you see, you know, I kind of like when you watch the special features on the Screen Factory. Kevin Tenney went through like a lot of things where he heard stories about people using the Ouija boards. And, you know, it's kind of a generic thing happening now in like modern cinema with like Ouija boards. You know, there's like 4,000 movies with like a Ouija board in them, <laughs> which doesn't help like this movie at all in that sense of it. I still have fun with it, but, uh, you know, since I heard a groan, Venom. <laughs> um, it's not a groan for the film. It was a groan for the pretension of Brandon and trying to let people know how to pronounce Ouija. Let me set the record straight once and for all. Both pronunciations are acceptable. Ouija, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, Ouija is considered the European pronunciation of the word. Ouija is considered the North American pronunciation of the word. And we all know that Americans, you know, uh, tend to mispronounce a lot of words that originated in Europe. But both pronunciations are acceptable. Use the one that you are comfortable with. Because... I just remember Mark Nato a couple of years ago correcting me on the uh, pronunciation, and I didn't say anything on the show because he caught me off guard. But then when I went and looked it up, I'm like, motherfucker, both pronunciations are acceptable. What the hell? So, I will yeah. say well, this. When I was a kid and I had a Ouija board, there was an insert in the box that, that, it, that actually told you where the word came from and how to pronounce it. And ever since then... I have always said Ouija, but it was because that was what was inside the Ouija board box that I had. But I've never been like, don't say Ouija. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, no. I, 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 yeah, it, it was probably just the time period this movie came out. That was a big thing, too. Well, I think it, it fit in the character, too. That's definitely something that yeah, Brandon absolutely. would say, correcting everyone at the party. So. Yeah. But it's also um, but, early enough uh-huh. where. Nobody else had brought that up, so this movie got to make some bones that way. You yep. know, it's it's not actually Ouija, it's Ouija. See, we know our topic. We know this subject. So It's not Leviosa, it's, Le- it's yeah. Leviosa. Exactly. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know that Harry Potter line definitely watched somebody watched this movie and was like, I'm going to use that in my Harry Potter movie. <laughs> But yeah, you're uh, but right. It fits the, the character. It fits the character perfectly because oh, uh, yeah, that's it exactly sets up his character. Absolutely, his personality. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, so that that fits him. So I, I accept uh, the line of dialogue. I just don't accept the pretension behind the line of dialogue. But <laughs> that's besides the point. Uh, let's get back to the movie. Yes, 
Witchboard. Um, this movie, just like uh, our other movie, both of these movies are absolute timestamps of the period. I mean, the hairdos, the fashions, even the way that some of the younger characters talk. I mean, this movie is 80s. It's dripping with 80s ooze, and I love it for it, both of these films. But, you know, we're talking Witchboard right now. I feel like Witchboard is um, the better made film of the two. Um, has the more cohesive story. Hell, it has a story. <coughs> Other movie, you can make the argument it's more a scenario than a story. But you know, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, obviously, when you watch it in 2021, you know there's a lot of laughable things in here. But when you watch it in 80, when you watched it in 86, I mean, Ouija movies were new. Um, you know, to the community. So, you know, we were all still learning about them. Maybe not new to everybody, because I, I do remember some Ouija movies from the si- 70s, but those were very obscure. Um, well, I mean, The Exorcist, I guess, is not very obscure, but still. Um, to actually get a movie specifically about Ouija and its use um, was, you know, fairly groundbreaking for 86. I think the performances are all fairly, I'm going to say, good to above average well above average to good let's go with that like nobody in the movie makes me cringe jim is probably the most unlikable character in the movie he definitely has that um skeptical boyfriend thing he's got that locked down and, and that's one of those horror tropes that i can't stand the skeptical significant other who doesn't believe um, you know, uh, their significant other when they come to them with a very outlandish story. You know, it, it's a pet peeve of mine. I've talked about this on Fresh Cuts multiple times, um, so I won't get too deep on that right now. But um, for the most part, a very believable story. I mean, yes, it's over the top, but it's it's got a certain amount of grounding to it in that. I mean, really, the only thing in the movie to me that comes off as over the top is the Ouija board floating at the end. Everything else comes off as, you know, if you believe in the supernatural and the real world, um, you know, the, the movie comes off as very believable, very likable. Um, it's interesting watching Tawny Katane, who's 25 in this movie, though she looks 35. But, you know, that's a topic for another movie or <laughs> another show. But um, she was probably Jim's character. I didn't like because of the way that they characterized him. But Tawny is just not a great actress, so she's not really carrying this movie by any stretch. She's no Linda Blair by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I do really enjoy this movie. I think it's very well done. I think the cinematography is great. I especially like the David POV shots, especially the very first one that starts at the Ouija board and, the, and then goes all through Linda and Jim's place until it gets to her sleeping in her bed. I, I really like that shot. I actually rewound it a couple of times on this last viewing. But anytime you get the David POV stuff, you know, I like the, the, the kind of subtle drone in the background to let you know, you know, this is David's POV or, you know, David or Malfader, however you want to go with it. Um, overall, yeah, I really like this movie. This was not a first time watch for me, but it probably couldn't. I I can't have seen this movie more than three times in my entire life. So this this is probably at the most the third time I've seen it, easily the first time in about 15 to 20 years. And it was still enjoyable. I still had a good time with it. It's It has the same shortcomings I have always felt that it had um, in its writing and acting. But overall, I, I think it's a really, really good film. It's underappreciated. It's a little... 
it's fairly basic. You know, they, they don't really do a lot of original stuff in here. But again, it's 86, so they didn't need to be ultra original with the Ouija lore and everything. So, um, like I said, as a timestamp, it's awesome. Uh, absolutely love it. Obviously, you know, if you watch it in 2021 for the first time, it might be a little lacking. But ultimately, I still think that most people appreciate you know, uh, the, the lack of over the top, um, set pieces. And like I said, the, the grounding, the grounded supernatural factor of the whole thing. It's weird to say about a movie like this, but compared to some of the other movies we were getting in the mid eighties, this movie is very grounded. So yeah, uh, I definitely enjoy a Witchboard. Jamie and Brian. I love this movie, uh, unequivocally. I've seen it probably 20 times. Um, I saw it in the theater when it came out because I'm old. So uh, I've loved this movie from the start. I love Tawny Katane. I mean, first off, she's hot as hell in here, but I just, I really like her character. She seems to be really sweet and nice. I like the Jim character. He's a bit of a, you know, the unbelieving dick at times, but he's also, he stands his ground and he don't take shit. And they're very much the beginning of the party, and, you know, they got the friend there who used to be Tawny's boyfriend, but now he's not. And he's, you know, taking shots at him, and he's, you know, taking shots back. And then later, Tawny's like, I can't believe you. Why would you do that? And he's like, what the fuck was I supposed to do, sit there and take it? And I'm like, yeah, damn straight. Fuck that guy. He was <laughs> being a dick. Um... I like his buddies. The one buddy who gets crushed under the sheetrock. Lloyd, I, yeah. Lloyd. Yeah, Lloyd. He, I mean, not a great actor, but I liked his character. He seemed to really, their friendship seemed legit. They seemed mm-hmm. like buddies. And, uh, you know, I was upset when he got crushed. Um, I love Mal Fader. That is just a great name to say. Um, <laughs> I love Zerabeth. <laughs> yes. I mean, again, oh, not not a realistic <laughs> character, but a fun one. And I don't like it when she gets killed. So that's another thing this movie has. Unlike many modern movies that have nothing but assholes in it, I like the characters here. I love the fact that Jim and... I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon. thank you. When Jim and Brandon go on a road trip and they mend their friendship... And they begin to, you know, hey, man, I'm sorry. And they become like brothers again. And then Brandon dies. And, you know, he had previously said, I had never seen Jim cry, you know, not even at the funeral of his parents or, Mm -hmm. you know. And then at that moment, Jim breaks down and cries because that was his friend. That was his brother. And, you know. It just shows you that there there was always something there. There was always care there, even if, you know, love and women getting away and jealousy and all that stuff, it was still there. So I think this movie is legit. I think it's legit good. Um, I think it's probably Kevin Tenney's best made film. Um, I may think Night of the Demons might be a little bit more fun for me. I would agree but with that. I think this is just far better made. It is a, it's a more straight up horror. It's a serious horror film. Whereas Night of the Demons is silly and you know eatable of fuck and all that. And I love that. I love how this one. There's a few jokes and a few funny parts, but for 
uh, the majority of it, it's a straight-up ghost story. It's trying to scare you. Whether that works or not, well, you know, that's individual taste. But it's not trying to just be, you know, good-time horror. It's trying to be a legit, scary horror film. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I do agree, it's 80s as all hell, but goddammit, that's part of the reason I love it. So, uh, this movie, for me, is an absolute good. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah before Jamie goes, I want I kind of agree with the Jim and Brandon uh, scenario completely, because especially on this rewatch, you know, I see it more, especially when they're beginning, they hate each other in the beginning, they're like fist fighting, like, you know, bumping heads with their back and forth talking. Well, yeah, they have the they have the love triangle going, and I mean, if there's anything that's going to turn two friends against each other, it's going to be a woman. Hate yeah. to say it, but it's true. It's, but mm-hmm. even still, when they you know recite themselves to that, and uh, Brandon gets over his hurt feelings, they really come together and go, you know, you're still my friend. You're, you know, you're still my brother. I love you. And then for him to die is suddenly, because, I mean, most of the time, heroes don't die in films. They might get beat up or put in a hospital, but rarely do they snuff somebody out. So, I think that works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely, but... Jamie? Uh, I love this film. I um, Spoiler of the two, it's my favorite, and you're going to find that, that Brian goes the other way. But... <laughs> I, th- this is my you favorite. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know you at all. This is my favorite uh, Kevin Tenney film. I actually am not a fan of Night of the Demons. And, I, uh, I know that because I uh, listen to ABCs. <laughs> oh, Christ, do I know that. I know that. Now, it, I don't hate the film. I just think that the first part is a lot of fun. And then, to me, it just kind of it, it devolves into a bunch of people running around a house and gets very repetitive. And I got bored with it. But in the very beginning, I love it. I love the whole party setup and the beginning of the party and all of that. I, and there are some fun characters there. I just think after a while, it gets old. But this one, I, uh, I agree that I think I, I appreciate the fact that he took it more seriously. I do like the dynamic of the characters. I love the fact that that she is with Jim, but she used to be with Brandon. But not only that, the Jim and Brandon have a backstory of their own. And in the beginning, when you first watch the film, you're you would, uh, you know, it'd be okay to think that that he didn't know him prior to them being together, but he just knows that that's that Brandon is her ex and that's why he hates him. But then like you, you discover like, no, they actually have known each other their whole lives. They were extremely close and this drove a wedge between them. And it's very sad. And then when they do go on their little road trip and they kind of bring things back together and they end up working together, it is heartbreaking. And I love the fact that, yeah, you brought it up, Brian, that the, that he makes the mention that I've never, ever seen him cry. And then when Brandon dies, Jim does cry. That, is uh, that's a huge, very tender detail for uh, a film like this to to have in it. I think it's a very important character piece that you wouldn't expect from a film about a Ouija board. You know, um, it's pronounced Ouija. Said <laughs> Ouija. Um, I I really love this one. I've seen it a bunch. We've actually watched it. Not too long ago, 
Um, and since I've moved up here, which has been like not even six years, we've watched it, I think, at least four times. Like I said, I've watched just, it about 20 times. <laughs> just, uh, it's, just a, it's one that I'm always happy to put in. Uh, the only the only complaint I have is I'm not a huge fan of this Arabeth character. She gets Thank a little you. she gets a little bit on my nerves. Um, and the only other complaint I have is a very stupid complaint, and I guarantee you, not one of you men have even noticed it. But it's that it's that Tawny Katane's nail color changes numerous times throughout this film. And no woman who's going through the bullshit that she's going through would take the time to paint her nails in that situation. And that is the thing that I find most unbelievable about You're the right. Film. That took me totally out of the film. Yeah. <laughs> you know how I answered it? I answered it completely. David did it. Yeah, it could be. It's just I'm watching her. I'm like, wait a minute, her nail. What? No one would do that. No one would. No one would change their nail color in the middle of all this bullshit going on. But yeah, definitely, especially when she's deep with talking to David. David, is this you, David? Am I pregnant, you David? See, yeah, because you see your hands a lot in the film, mm-hmm. and it, it just sticks out to me. But I don't expect it to stick out to you guys. Like I understand that. Where, where's my ring, David? Five um, ring. And this is where people are going to probably think I'm nuts, but all right. I didn't see this movie when it first came out. I was kind of late, late to the party on this movie. I didn't watch it the first time until the early nineties, but I mentioned earlier that I had a Ouija board when I was young and my best friend and I used to play with it all the time. The, the spirit that we used to talk to, and I have numerous, numerous, numerous stories if anybody ever is interested in hearing them, but we're not, uh, I don't, I don't mean now. Um, That'll be on my Ouija podcast. Exactly. Ouija podcast? One of the things we used to do when we would put our hands on there is it would would start going in a figure eight, and that's when we knew that she was ready to talk. And, And I'm not even making that up. I hadn't seen this movie at that time. And when I saw this movie, I was like, what the fuck? I mean, it blew my mind that he did exactly the same thing in that movie that we had done with our board. And I was like, fucking A. Like, it, it, I, 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 don't, I still don't even know how to process that. To me, every time I watch it, it still just, one, creeps me out, but in a very cool way. And then it just, I can't wrap my mind around it. Um, but... That was a, a, actually a very true thing. And I don't know. I, I just, I love this movie. I love it. I, I can watch it anytime. I can watch it back to back. I'm, I would never say no if anybody wanted to watch with me. Yeah, it, it's a great one. And uh, I guess you would certain characters that you guys might not like more than others because I actually have one that I don't like as much on certain rewatches. And that is... I'm going to go first. Yeah, I love this movie. It was fun the first time I saw it. But it's so weird that there's a magician cop in the movie. It's the fucking weirdest character <laughs> ever. No, it, you're right. It is. That is very bizarre. Like, he comes out of nowhere, like, just juggling. I should have been a juggler, you know? That's a and right. it doesn't even come into play in the plot. Like, they should have done oh. something where, you know, he figures something out because of his magic knowledge or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just a dangling plot point. That's a writer who wants to breathe life into his character by giving him a quirky trait. But yeah, it doesn't 
It doesn't bring anything to the story. Like in Dead Silence when the guy shaves all the time. Yeah, yeah. he's constantly shaving. Why? That's what he does! Uh, <laughs> the, the only character I ever liked that was like in these movies that was like that was Harry Dean Stanton and Christina, because at least he was a normal cop, you know? <laughs> you know? You know, it's just weird. It's just weird when you see, like, you know, like, hey, uh, and then he uses magician puns all the time. You know, you might be hiding something too like that guy that did that disappear that elephant you know uh, yeah that's the only you know Zarebeth's yeah she's 80s psychic with like a wannabe Annie Potts voice like uh, she is awesome TFN I wanted to set her on fire chick yeah <laughs> okay, I don't hate her as much as Venom does, but I don't uh, hate her. I I, I should correct myself. Yeah, I I didn't hate her. She was getting annoying. The constant annoying. jingling of her goddamn clothes. <laughs> uh, oh my god! I, I think it was the jingling that bothered me more than her. I ah god, she was just too quirky, too quirky. Yeah, yeah. she definitely she had a quirk. Can't handle her psychic humor. <laughs> they definitely made the quirk very prominent. Like every line she had or every movement she made. I sent something bad coming. You. On the other hand, though, her death I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. that was a very scary moment. Um, Vader hated her. She's like, Fuck this <laughs> I think Venom was. So do you think? See, I had a question about that after the seance because she she asked Jim about Mal Vader. Did she actually see? Do you think, I guess, it's more of an opinion question, but do you think she actually saw David as Malfader, or do you think she didn't see anything during that second? Well, the thing is, Malfader was actually trying, pretending to be David when she was talking to Tawny Catan's character, but when she was doing the seance, she was trying to reach out for David, who... I don't know actually came, but she might have seen Mouth Vader too during that scene, and, and, and just a glimpse of him maybe, and yeah, just a glimpse of it may have brought it up. I always I took wondering. it as she got a sense of the name because she was like, "You ever hear the word Mouth Vader?" And he's like, "No, I think it's Portuguese or something like that." And then she goes home and looks him up in her books, yeah, and so. then when he comes out after, she's like, oh, "You." So yeah, that was, she was after confused. she looked him up in the book, yeah. saw what he looked like, but I don't think she had glimpsed him or was talking to him it, at the moment. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, cause that's how she. That's why she died because he knew she was on to him. Yeah, she was digging into his past, and well, Malfader, don't play that. <laughs> yeah, I was doing some research on that too. That character is actually based on a real dude, you know. So that's kind of crazy in its own right. <laughs> Uh, was the real guy anything like our movie Malfader? Was he like a serial killer or just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was based on. Like, oh, he was okay. Yeah, I forget his act. It was like Car- his last name was a little different. It was Carlos something, but you know Carlos Malfader was the character's name. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There's uh, a movie I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And another quick note before we go to Mike, uh, the guy who played Lloyd. This is actually connection to Night of the Demons. James W. Quinn was actually the voice of all the demons and Night of the Demons. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Oh, oh well, yeah, the, the guy who knows who plays Brandon, I always knew him as Steve from Days of Our Lives. And so the first time I watched this, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Because like, <laughs> I'd never uh, seen him in anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. 
Fucking <laughs> yeah, James W. You know, like if you watch the special feature on the Scream Factory Night of the Demons, he's like, yeah, they made me do like go in my bag and it's time for the party to me. My voice, <laughs> he's like, my voice was destroyed after like three days of doing that. Imagine doing all those lines, doing that voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. and speaking of voice work, too, uh, the woman who played Zarabeth has done uh, some voice work most recently on Family Guy. Uh, she's done a couple of, like, side characters on Family Guy, most famously. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the episode where the Griffins had to leave town. They were on the run. They ended yep. up moving to Texas. Yeah. Uh, the girls, the, the boy slash girl, Sam, that Chris Oh, my God, with, really? That's Zarabeth, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to watch that episode now. Poking oh, dead yeah. things with a stick. <laughs> yup, exactly. <laughs> Want to poke it with a stick? <laughs> Michael. All right, so Witchboard, this is probably the second or third time I've seen this. It's been a long time, but rewatching it this time, yeah, I was really impressed with it. I thought the story was actually... Uh, maybe not like the story, but the characters themselves—they were pretty impressive. I—I I thought um, the the angry boyfriend Jim, you know, through the first act of the movie, you think he's going to be like your typical throwaway, you know, one-note jerk, overzealous boyfriend. But there's actually an arc to his character, which is pretty surprising in a movie like this. Um, when him and Brandon were kind of going through their you know, soft reconciliation. All I could think about, honestly, was Cobra Kai with Daniel and Johnny. Oh wow! <laughs> like they I would have definitely like, see why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, how they would have all their scenes of like you know they're not becoming like best friends or anything, but they're kind of like reminiscing over stupid childish teenage stuff they did and. You know, attempting to kind of have all of the branches. Yep, exactly. And right when they're like, anytime they're about to make that like progress to finally get over like a real hump with everything, something drives the wedge back in there that's that screws everything up. Um, when this movie first starts, I swear, like the first fifteen minutes feels like um instructions. An advertisement for a Ouija board, a Ouija board, and then it transitions to every stereotype of that time why parents shouldn't buy them a Ouija board. So I, I, when I was throwing it on, I was like, "Okay, is this movie telling me to buy a Ouija board or not buy one?" Because uh, it seemed like when um, Brandon was explaining, like, "All right, it has to be." two people, preferably a man and a woman, and explain how to use it and all that. I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. I'm getting, like, the actual instructions here. And then once everything starts going bad, it's like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to buy one and, and explore with it anymore. But, you know, overall, I the, the score was really cool in this. I, like I said, I thought all the characters, well, all the characters, Linda was, eh, she was, Kind of all right. I mean, Tawny Katane's Tawny Katane. You, you know, if, if some people are really uh, like her. Um, uh, she's very she's sweet. I think she, her yes. character comes off as genuinely sweet and caring, and I I like that. Was it weird that I wanted to kind of bang her when she was Malfader? <laughs> no, she, she's very hot no matter what she's doing. So I can't fault you for that. She was like, but you know, it was, it was like half of the movie. Sometimes she was looking like deaf, though. But then when she's like fully possessed, she's like, "Come on, David, fuck me now." With the <laughs> <love> it. <laughs> with those suit 
the dress suit on. <laughs> I love that she, that the little character things like how she never cusses. Yeah. And then suddenly she just starts cursing a blue streak. And Jim's like, what the hell is going on with you? You know, but I like that. That's a nice little, but it also gives us another level of sweetness to her character. Like she doesn't even say anything harsh. You know, that's just she's so sweet. She won't she won't even use harsh words. And uh, then, you know, you see that escalation. What's it called? What's the term that he uses? Progressive entrapment there. OK, thank yeah. you. I always wanted to say pernicious anemia, but that's something else. Lot, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought on um, back to uh, Jim's character, you know, I was actually pretty impressed when they actually kind of gave a little backstory of kind of like why. He is how he is with the alcoholic parents, but then I guess he was saying like Brandon's parents kind of treated him somewhat like a son or took him in and yeah. washed over him. And I was like, wow, I, like you don't really get that usually with these type of characters. Like, uh, so he's not such a jerk or at least like you have some type of reference about why he is the way, like, you know, he might come off a little abrasive, but by the end of it, okay, you're not a totally, you know, typical horror genre douchebag type character you got some layers to you and he genuinely cared and i think yeah it was definitely already brought up about like oh i've never seen him cry ever and then he cried when his friend passed it's just like okay okay i see i see what you're doing here witchboard like i i got i got gotcha. um but yeah i had a lot of fun with this movie yeah uh the thing i always liked was uh fucking uh also uh Oh, the theme song to this movie is fucking hilarious. In the middle of the summer, in the middle of the night. Yeah. I actually like it. The I love that song. So do I. I want the fucking vinyl of that shit, you know? I just bump it. Like, it's one of those songs that after you watch the movie, then you pull it up and you listen to it some more. At least I do. Like you know, that. No. That's the great thing about the Screen Factory because it just starts playing over and over again on the menu. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm leaving the menu. <laughs> you know, it just gets you going, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike, though, too, with, uh, you know, like, you know, like when I first seen this movie, I'm like, why is he going, why is this asshole mentioning his dad? Do they know each other? But then you find out they do, <laughs> you know, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So I do like that they do kind of build on that and they actually do answer that because it would have been like that awkward thing. How does this asshole know who his dad is? And he's drunk, you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh. Yeah, great time. I'm glad you all liked the movie. Good stuff. Yeah, I was really happy with this one. Yeah. Are you guys ready to talk about some robots? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Killbots. 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 Protectors. Uh, Protector bots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alrighty. righty. dead meat. Have a nice day. Mm. Chopping Mall, 1986, is the next movie of the night. Uh, written and directed by Jim Warnowski, co-written by Steve Mitchell. Uh, I think it's a, a Julie Corman slash Roger Corman production, this one, which makes sense. Uh, Concord, yeah, it's a Concord film, so that makes sense. Uh, oh, this is a very long fucking uh, synopsis, but here we go. I will do it in my robot voice. <laughs> A group of young shopping mall employees stay behind for a late night party in one of the stores. When the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out, the robot security system malfunctions, 
and goes on a killing spree. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you haven't seen the Jim Warnowski movie, this is like the in the Garden of Vita baby of Jim Warnowski movies. Uh, Jim Warnowski has stated he loves two things in movies: girls with big tits and violence. And so do I. And yeah, this is what this movie is. It's eighties is all fuck. The whole opening scene with the mall, I love it. It's kind of, it's kind of like his fucking. He's trying to do something with like how the malls of eighties were at that time period. He's trying to. There is kind of like an underlying message, especially with that opening credit sequence. And uh, uh, I do love that this movie's in the same universe as Ian Raoul. <laughs> oh, that cracks me up. You know that that's amazing. Uh, there's a lot of great callbacks. Uh, yeah, pretty much. The you know you got Kelly Maroney, who's a fucking uh, alumni Jim Warnowski performer, and uh, so callback. She was actually in the Zero Boys, a Nico Mascarakis film that I also enjoyed, where she plays a girl that loves the fuck. <laughs> I forget the quote from that movie. It's been a while, but. Uh, yeah, the Tony O'Dell, Russell Todd, Carrie Emerson, Barbara Crampton, the the my my girl, my girl. We talked about her earlier too. Young Barbara Crampton. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Susie Lynn. She looks fucking amazing. Yeah. She, smells, she looks amazing, but she smells like pepperoni. <laughs> I like pepperoni. I do too. I'm not saying anything bad. Jamie. No, I was quoting the movie. Uh, <laughs> Susie Slater's in this movie. Uh. Yeah, her scene's mind-blowing, pun intended. Uh, we have cameos appearances by Paul Bertel and Mary Warrenoff, who play their characters from Eden Raul, Paul, and Mary Bland. Uh, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Dick Miller, as fucking Walter Play Paisley. And if you know what that means, you know what that means. Well, he even has a bucket of... Mop water. <laughs> but it looks but he's mopping up the bullshit so it actually is is a bucket of well I think it's not red, it's more like pink, I guess. But yeah, I think yeah. it's supposed to be puke or something. Yeah, but it, it's it's very I mean, it's you see that, you know the name Walter Paisley, then you get the that yeah. what they're doing there. So. Yeah. Yeah, it make it makes sense because you know like Dante Winarski was a Corman alumni, so it's nice. It's nice. I like it. Uh, we also have a little cameo by Garrett Graham. Uh, ironically, him and Mary Warrenoff the same year were in Terror Vision together. Uh, yeah, and that's about it for like major players in this movie. Uh, yeah, it's. I just you know the like the plot is pretty much like a big giant chase. The thing I love about it. I love the look of the robots. They are so fucking cheesy. And uh, by the way, the greatest casting of all, the director, Jim Warnowski, is the voice of all the robots. Have uh, a nice day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I found out recently when I watched the Vestron Blu-ray special feature. I actually didn't know that until recent when that Blu-ray came out. I watched that special feature, uh, which was fucking nuts. Uh, yeah, I just have fun. It's a party. This is a great party movie. It's just a movie that you shut your brain off and you watch a bunch of robots kill people. You get to see some tits, some ass, some weird 
store sex. You get to see some weird 80s tropes. You get to see this weird restaurant cook. You get to see these weird people. You see Kelly Maroney hooking up with a guy watching Attack of the Crab People. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, you know, I love the score of this movie. Uh, Chuck Sinero, Sinero, I believe that's his name, uh, that does most of Jim Warnowski's movies. This and Not of His Earth are two of my favorite scores that are done from Jim Warnowski, period. They're amazing scores. I love the opening theme to Chopping Mall so much. I listen to it at work all the time and think, I wish we had Killbotch right now so I could have an adventure. <laughs> you know? I wish I was in this world. You know, it's just fucking great. And, you know, the, I love how the guy that chews the gum all the time dies. It's amazing. That guy should die automatically. <laughs> you know, it's just a fun movie, so... That's true. I'm going to go switch it up a little bit. Brian and Jamie. Go ahead, Brian. You know you're dying, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you ever listen to me on any of the shows I've ever done, you will know that I adore this movie. Because he only mentions it every 15 minutes. Even more so than uh, Witchboard, and I love that movie. But to me, this is just... It's one of my uh, feel-good films. It's one of my Comfort. comfort films. It's, you know... I could watch this any day. I could watch this every day. Um, And it's funny because when I first saw this, again, I saw this one at the theater, too, because this is right when I was getting into my horror fix, and I was just mainlining anything uh, horror-related. I actually didn't like it because at that time I was super serious about horror. And this is a very silly film, and I was like, bah, it's too silly for me. Well, years later, I came back to it. I forget how I did it. But on a second viewing, I just loved it. And if I've seen Witchboard 20 times, I've probably seen this 40 times. Um, To me, it's a time capsule film because it is so perfectly 80s. I mean, from the setting, come on, it's a shopping mall. To the characters, to the music, to the clothes, to everything about it. To the nudity, to the gore. I mean, uh, it is just perfect. It reminds me so much of my youth that uh, I'm sure there's some nostalgia in there that uh, pulls at my heartstrings to make me love it as much as I do. But even, you know, regardless of that, I just, I think it's a very fun movie. I can't imagine you watching this movie and not having fun with it. If you don't have fun with this movie, you must see a doctor to get the stick out of your ass removed. Because this movie is just pure joy. I love all the characters in it. I love the robots in it. I love the fact that they built these suckers. This isn't CGI, and it's not like they even did a a cheapo okay, let's you know, take an erector set and make little robot things. No, they built these suckers and they drove them around practically. That is something that wouldn't be done today. And this was a low-budget, independent movie. That is just awesome. I love that it takes place in the mall where, you know, Commando was made. Or Terminator 2. Or, I mean, this mall has been in, like, every movie ever set. It was in the Ga- Galleria, wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Galleria. It's the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Yes. I live a half a mile away from it. Every mall movie was made in yes. that mall. was made in that mall. And I'm so jealous of you because I would love to go to this mall. <laughs> I would just go there. It would be my mecca. I would be so happy. Um, 
And it's just... I love Kelly Maroney in this. In fact, her and I have become kind of like Facebook friends a little bit. Not Facebook, Twitter friends a little bit. And whenever I watch this movie, I tell her I'm watching it, and she, you know, replies. I actually told her I was watching this movie for a podcast coming up. And I said, you know, if I was giving my druthers, I would have picked as a double bill for this, uh, Night of the Comet. Comet. And she said, that's okay, I forgive you. So she forgives us for (laughs) not watching Night of the Comet. That's very nice of her. Um... (laughs) She also has quite a bit to say in In Search of the Dark, In Search of yes, Darkness Part Two, actually. which made me happy. She's featured prominently, and she just seems like a very, you know, genuinely nice person. Uh, a lot of people don't come off that way. She does, um, but it's not. That's not why I like this movie. That's just in addition to. It's an extra bonus. It's a the, the cherry on top. Um, I love the guy sitting in the diner. Waitress, more butter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is just so stupid. Um, I love how it begins with the, you know, at the mall montage where you see people playing video games and, you know, you got the bathing suit beauties for some reason going through it and you got people falling over because it's wacky. I mean, and I love the fact that this movie is like only about an hour and 15 minutes long. So it just moves. It just There's no wasted time. There's no bullshit. It's just in, out, done, have a good day. Um, really, I can't say much more about this movie. Oh, I, I probably could, but I won't. Um, I will just say, yes, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's pure joy for me. It gets a 10 out of 10. Um, I watch this movie at least once a year, if not more, and this I was... This year we've watched it this, uh, about three times. So there you go. <laughs> and it is, um, not e- it is just now May. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> yeah, 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 I get to a feel good, man, because, uh, I did, uh, Zombievers on my other show there here recently, and that's kind of like my modern feel good movie. And, I love Zombievers, so yeah. I can see that. Yeah, you know, it's... Some movies are just fun, with a capital F. They're just a good time. And for me, that's this movie. Actually, if you ever listened to the last episode of the ABCs of Hidden Horror, Zombievers is one of his epics. Oh, I forgot about that because it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> it was your Z-pick. I know. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, okay, me. I um, I don't love this film, I really like it. I think it's a lot more fun. And I will say this, that since I have been with Brian, I have grown to appreciate it. Because you have to. I love it on you. Because <laughs> I didn't have a choice. But no, I hadn't, I didn't have it under my belt that much before we got together. I'd seen it a couple times and I was just like, ah, you know, I liked it. I never disliked it. I just was like, yeah, you know, I like it. But... Uh, I always thought the cover art was better than, uh, or the poster was better than the actual film, because I used to love that poster. It is great. Um, mm-hmm. But then, uh, the more we've watched it, and it, it's, there, it's been a lot, uh, I've seen it a lot, <laughs> <laughs> in in the last eight years, it's a lot, and um, I, but the more we watch it, the more I like it, and it's, I do really, really like it, Um I uh, I enjoy the characters. Uh, I like Kelly Maroney a lot. I I love Barbara Crampton. 
I, I just I, I like the fact that they all these characters all care about each other. You know, they all I don't know. It, it's a there it's a good group dynamic, and I think it comes off really well. Um, plus, the gore is really, one of I mean, the best man, head explosions that ever. That head explosion is so sweet. Um, yeah, it's just it's a it's a fun movie. I, I like all the little inside nods that uh, Wynorski has going on, and Derek already mentioned most of them. That, but it's full of them. It's full of them, and they're all little nods to Corman or the restaurant has all the Corman movie posters. Yeah, Why? Posts. Just because. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, the, this is this feels like a mall. You know, it, the, the beginning with the montage is one of my favorite parts. Uh, Valley Girls, another film also, which was uh, filmed at the Galleria that d- does one of those little opening montage things. I love those whenever malls, uh, malls, whenever movies do those. I, I love those because if you grew up when we did in particular, people don't really so much experience it now. No. Um, a, a lot of malls are dying. Yeah. Um, that's why is the Galleria still open? It is, but it's a shadow of its former self. Oh, like, um, yeah. it it looks nothing like what it looks like in this movie. In fact, it's not even an indoor mall anymore. They made wow. it an outdoor shopping plaza. Aww, so it's still there. Bad. There's like an AMC theater in there, Cheesecake Factory, but it's not like a full-blown <sighs> mall with like, you know, 30 or 40 shops. I think there's maybe a dozen at the most now. Oh, that's sad. It's still the exact same place, though. Um, it, it, it's 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 like the high end mall now. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. when it was used in this movie, I don't think it was considered like Fashion Square, but um, which is another mall out here that doesn't have like you know normal mall stores. It's all like high fashion and whatnot. Um, that's what kind of what the Galleria is now. Other than the movie theater and the. Uh, uh, the restaurant, uh, the Cheesecake Factory, everything is like more high-end shops. So, That's so it's not depressing. exactly where the cool kids go. <laughs> My mall growing up um, was uh, the third season of uh, Stranger Things was filmed in My Mall. Nice. Which is not there anymore. Oh. That's why it was filmed there, because they, <laughs> they the mall is empty. Like, it's dead. And so... <laughs> They went in and and were able to use it to film. But the whole time we were watching that, I hadn't looked it up yet, but the whole time we're watching it, I'm like, that's my mall. That's my mall. I know that mall. And that's my like, mall. Does anybody know if the Maroneville? Marone, Monroeville. Yeah, is that still open? It was. Yes, uh, it, it was awesome. the last time I was there. I, which yeah. was 2005. Um, I haven't been there. I went to college in Pittsburgh, uh, so I, I uh, once again, I lived near a famous mall. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Monroeville was still there as of uh, the last time I checked, 2012. I spoke to a ex, um, what do you call it, uh, roommate, my old college roommate, because I, I went to college in Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, Monroeville Mall is still there, still thriving. By the way, Pittsburgh, one of my all-time favorite cities. I oh, love Pittsburgh. It. Love I it. I wish I could have gotten a good job there. I would have stayed. Uh, but, yeah, I wish I, I could afford to live on. Shit. I wish I could afford to live on Mount Washington. That would be a fucking dream. That was nice. Yeah, the incline right there. That was cool. Yeah, but yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah. So the, this it feels like malls felt. I lived in a mall when I was a teenager. A lot of us, I think, did. Well, yeah. Um, not only did I grow up in a mall, but my first. Yeah, adult I, job was in a mall. I worked in a mall. You worked in a mall. Um, it it um, 
it just, oh, it feels so right. Yeah. You know, and I actually miss it. Like sometimes, uh, even now, I'm just like, I just want to go to the mall, and not even <laughs> for anything specific. I just want to go to the mall. I want food court Chinese food because that's Ooh. a different beast than you can get anywhere else. True. Yeah, especially that orange chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Or the bourbon, no, bourbon chicken, chicken for me. Like I want Sparrow. They have good calzones. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, what about or Orange, Great Orange American, Julius? Great American Cookie I Company. I love Orange Julius. Great American Cookie Company. That shit's good. I didn't like Orange Julius because uh, I dated a girl that worked at one, and then she broke up with me, so I just hate Orange Julius now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, shop. Oh, yeah. Was, was the Sweet Factory a national chain? Which one? This, uh, what was it called? Like the sweet factory, or yeah, it's like basically candy a candy shop yeah. where you buy yeah, it by the pound. Uh, we had one of those. Yeah, Mr. Brown shoes, Music Land, or whatever local music store you had. I think we had like Sam Goody and uh, Strawberries was one. Yeah, Strawberries. Sun, Suncoast Sam Video back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. I worked at a Suncoast. Yeah. Walden Books. <laughs> I love yep. the. I, I miss Walden Books. I was. I remember when they folded because I was still young. I was like, damn. It was my favorite bookstore. What's oh a book? My God. Yeah. I, read, I read books, <laughs> god damn it. Yeah. I try to anyways in my spare time. We don't have them all around. Yes, guys. we do. What? The, the one, yeah, we do. It's over there where the, where the we go to Big Chinese. That's not a real, oh no, I think it still is. Yeah, it is. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, if you guys still like malls, I mean, L.A. is the place to be. We still have a bunch of them, and for the most part, uh, they're still pretty crowded. That's good. You know what? That makes me feel good. I uh, Because if you really think about it, if you think about when, okay, say, for instance, uh, take uh, 1978 with Dawn of the Dead. They were brand new then. No one even knew what they were. Like, he had to actually explain what it was. It's one of those you know, indoor shopping malls. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> so they weren't as pervasive. They hit huge in the 80s. They were a huge, just a, a uh, like, a, just a, a fen- like a phenomenon, you know, um, and, and very, like a cultural center place. It was just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's only been about 40 years. Like they didn't, they didn't get to last that no. long in the big scheme of things. And that's weird to me. Oh, mm. goddamn internet. Yeah. yeah. Amazon ruined everything. <laughs> Damn it. Anyways, you got anything more about this movie? No, no, I really like it. It's a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah like, well, the side note before we got on that mall tangent, I do love those posters, especially when we see. I kind of nerdy. I kind of geeked out when I saw the one movie that we actually covered on this show before, Galaxy of Terror. Love I'm like, yes. yeah, good shit. You know, I was like, oh, there we go. We just covered that recently. Yeah, and then you know they're sitting next to Sorceress, the actually Jack Hill movie written by Jim Warnowski, uh, Swords and Sandals fantasy movie. I like that. It's it's so weird that Jack Hill did a fantasy movie. <laughs> isn't uh isn't speaking of sword and sandal, isn't gum chewing guy wasn't he in Deathstalker too? He I yeah. think so, yeah. I think he was Deathstalker. He was Deathstalker, yeah. yeah. That would make sense because that's a Warnowski movie. He uses a lot of the same people in a lot of his early movies. He still uses Kelly Maroney in a lot of his newer movies and even uh Tracy Lords, they actually had a few movies together too. Uh yeah, but uh, Venom. 
um, Chopping Mall. Um, I have a weird relationship with this film. Um, I was a lot like Brian in the sense that when I first saw it, I saw this in theaters when it first came out. I did not enjoy it. I kind of walked out of the theater feeling the same way I felt uh, after watching Maximum Overdrive, that I was ex- I was expecting a much more serious horror film, and I ended up getting, you know, silly killbots. But obviously over the years, it's definitely found a place in my heart. I mean, I look at this movie as the sheer definition of guilty pleasure. You know, I mean, objectively, this movie's not well-written, well-acted. Uh, the effects are kind of iffy. Um, sometimes people will get hit with laser blasts and not react at all, whereas other times it makes someone's head explode. So there's inconsistencies there. Um, obviously it's a very early Warnowski movie, like the second one, right? I think second movie. It, think. it might, it may be. Um, you know, it's either first or second, so it's definitely an early one for him. But you can tell, you know, there was definitely some promise there. Um, you know, the, the film is very well made. I mean, you know, the camera work is fine. Obviously you're in a mall. So, you know, stellar cinematography, especially in 86 is probably not anything you can really strive for in this type of movie in a lower budget one, but it still works. It still looks really nice. And like I said, over the years, I've kind of understood more and more why the movie is so popular. And I, can now enjoy it at that level where I just shut my brain off and just, you know, don't try to think about it. Don't try to think about the terrible operating system that these robots must have had, that they get one lightning strike and they fucking go crazy. You know, I'm a software engineer. Any software engineer watching that is going to go crazy because no lightning strike (laughs) is going to make fucking robots go rogue and suddenly, you know, so whatever. But again, the bigger fake question, why do they have lasers at all? Why would yeah, lasers, that? tasers. I mean, they have plastic I'm surprised they didn't have flamethrowers. Yeah, <laughs> they have they have things. They have darts to make you fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. They they, they militarize these robots. I couldn't get over it. Um, but you know, even with all the shortcomings, you know, this movie, the charm in this movie is there. Um, you know, obviously, we've all talked to death about how much we love Barbara Crampton and Kelly Maroney. Um, I, this is the movie I actually find Kelly Maroney the most attractive. I, I think I like my girls with a little bit of, uh, uh, I don't know, extra padding. Is that, is that a nice PC <laughs> way of putting it? Um, so yeah, I always, I, I liked, I liked the slightly chubby Kelly Maroney over thinner Ke- Kelly Maroney, but that's just a personal thing, obviously. Um, ultimately, yeah, all the women in the movie are attractive. Hell, the guys are probably attractive too. I couldn't really speak on that. Or <laughs> Jamie will let us know. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, the hairdos, the fashion, the dialogue, I mean, it's all just dripping with eighties, um, aesthetic. So it's, it's such a, I mean, we've said the word fun about 8 million times already while reviewing this. And I'm sure we'll say it 8 million more because that really is the greatest compliment you can give this movie. It is an incredibly fun movie. Great movie to watch with friends over a couple of beers and some pizza. Great movie to watch by yourself and make fun of. If you're not exactly into these kind of, um, you know, more comical horror films. Um, but yeah, 
I, I, a great film. I, I, I echo everything that everyone has said. Um, not really any characters here that I hated. Um, you know, no Zarabeths uh, anywhere to be found uh, <laughs> for the most part. Um, and yeah, uh, not enough Dick Miller. I really wish we would have gotten a little, even one more scene with Dick Miller would have made me happy, man. Um, especially at this, I mean, this is 86, so the man is already a legend by this point. Utilize him more. Come on, give, give us a little more Dick Miller. Um, you know, great to see, uh, you know, um, like you said, Paul Bartel and Wearinoff. Um, I, it, like I said, I feel like I'm just repeating everything that's already been said because ultimately oh, 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 everyone oh, is real correct. Quick, let me let me interrupt uh-huh. you just for once one tidbit. Please. Anybody notice the tall man in the movie? Angus Scrim, absolutely. I Under love that. <laughs> He's just some random dude in the, the crowd when they're introducing the killbots. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did anyone already yeah, this is when he was still using Friday. his real name, Lawrence Guy. So uh, I, I think he literally took the stage name Angus Scrim like the following year or maybe even later this same year. So, yeah, uh, Lawrence Guy making an appearance. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's so much. That I see new things every time I watch this. I will fully admit this isn't a favorite of mine. This isn't something that I return to that often, but... Ever since um, Shudder added it to their lineup, I've you know I've gotten to watch it a couple of times, and it's fun. It's fun every time. Um, you know, like I said, some of the effects don't work, uh, but again, it just makes the movie that much more charming to see people getting hit by a laser blast and not reacting, and then other times it destroys them. So yeah. Um, ultimately, and, and again, if you know anything about like science, a lot of the explosions in this movie don't make sense. The paint store would not go up like like a fucking uh, uh, grenade factory. But again, suspension of disbelief. Most people don't know anything about paint, so it's okay. And yes, I understand that in the '80s they were more flammable, but obviously, you know, the explosion here at the end is way over the top. I mean, yeah, I didn't know many people whose houses exploded, you know, from the paint that that they were using, so, and that always cracks me up. Uh, That also, there was another scene that, similar to that, but yeah, you just kind of let it go. You're just like, eh, whatever. That's what I mean, yeah. It's the sheer definition of shut your brain off. Just take it at face value. It's fun. It's silly. None of it has to make sense, and you know, it's... It is kind of funny, um, you know, that we talked about our burning question because uh, somebody made the comment that it kind of fits with our movies that we're looking at today. And it's funny because here I am, you know, talking up a movie that's objectively not great. But to us, obviously, again, it's a time capsule. And because of all of our ages, nobody here is under like 30 or 35. So, I mean, we're all kind of 80s babies. Uh, Derek might be the only exception, but for the most part, we're 80s babies. You know, we we went to the mall. We we were part of this culture. And then the last thing I got to say about Chopping Mall is, do you think House of Almonds sells anything besides almonds? <laughs> God, I would hope so. The store is called House of Almonds. I mean, so. there are a lot of things you can do with almonds, I guess. But uh, does it warrant a whole store? <laughs> Also, chops. apparently, they went to the George Romero school of uh, of stocking weapons in in yes. malls, but 
Yeah, yeah, malls with gun stores. I, I honestly do not remember that, but, you know, maybe I somewhere love the fact in that, Minnesota. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is the one, and I can't believe I don't have this automatically memorized, but uh, the weapon, the gun store in this movie, it's Peckinpah's, right? Yep, Peckinpah's. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's actually a sporting goods store, I Great think. Reference. And they, yep. they have a, uh, but they have a gun section. Yeah, I do remember sporting goods stores selling guns, but I just don't remember sporting goods stores in malls carrying. No, them. I don't. I've never seen yeah. that. And but not, hey, but. suspension of disbelief once again. So, awesome. <laughs> did, somebody, did anyone already mention Scott from Friday too? Oh, that's oh. right. He's in this. Oh. Good job. Right. I don't. I don't remember his real name, but um, Russell Todd, the husband. Yeah, of the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I mentioned him. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I think I forgot. I actually forgot to mention he was in Friday too. But good, good, good on you, Jim. And actually, ironically, Nightmare Connection. You know who plays the the shoplift, the wreckage shoplifter? No, it's 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 Joey from Friday three and four. No, oh, wow! I didn't. Oh, I never kid? noticed that. Yeah, the kid who steals the record. Oh, okay. At the beginning in the montage. Nice. <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, Susie's father is played by Arthur Roberts, who would later go on to play uh, the alien in his uh, Warnaski's version of Not of This Earth. But I also know him as the bad guy from Revenge of the Ninja, the awesome ah, Shokazugi yeah. movie. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Actually, but, uh, I think I've seen every single one of these actors in other things. Uh, the one, oh, yeah. the Kelly Maroney boyfriend guy, he was in a lot of stuff in the 80s. I never knew his name, but I always had a crush on him. Yeah. So, Mike. Michael. My name's Donald Pleasance. Michael. Michael. What did you think of Chopping Mall? Um... Well, going. I told you six times. Yeah, (laughs) I asked you six times. Um, Going fifth out of five people, uh, it's hard to say what hasn't already been mentioned. So I'll just you know echo a lot of sentiments. It's it's really a fun movie. At seventy seven minutes, there's not a lot of padding here. They get right to it. I I think Venom earlier. Before we even started our reviews, might have mentioned like it's more of a scenario more than a plot, which, which yeah. kind of is is accurate. It's uh, people stuck in a mall uh, with killer robots. Um, I, I find it interesting. So this is 1986. So we're two two. I was about to say two hours, two years after the Terminator, and a year before RoboCop. So we're kind of in the midst of this era of like these big budget sci-fi robot you know, action flicks and then sandwiched right in the middle of chopping mall with these little mall security guard, low tech robots. Um, if you read that, like read about it, it wouldn't sound like it worked at all. But when I watch it, it's, it's really a fun ass movie with just about every, uh, you know, everything you would want in your horror movie. You got good kills. Uh, it's funny in parts, uh, the nudity is plentiful. Um, you know, everything people claim to like in a horror movie, Chopping Mall has at least a little bit of all of it. And uh, I, I love the mall setting because you can do so much with it. Uh, you know, when there's 
different, you know, different stores, different layouts. You know, no two mall movies happen to be exactly the same because they're obviously they're all filmed in different malls, so it, it still feels a little bit fresh uh, with the setting. Um, I actually have a shopping mall shirt that I bought at, uh, you know, off one of the t-shirt sites during like the the Black Friday clearance or whatever. Luckily, Terror Threads. It was probably, it was either Terror Threads or Fright Rags or what's the other I got one, one for colors. Brian from Fright Rags this past year. That might have been damn street. Yeah, I I usually scour like all the sites at that at holiday season because they'll go on clearance and sometimes you gotta like really you know browse and scour them because they'll be like oh all these items on clearance and you go to click on it, it's like only size small available right and you're like yeah small but, small and like 5x yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Nothing in between exactly it's like i don't need a nightgown i need a shirt but <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair some of these shirts they, they kind of run small with the material they're using so that, that is true um <laughs> <laughs> and, and and with two young daughters, I have run into a scenario where they sent me like a wrong size once and sent me a new one. And it's like, oh, don't bother sending the other one back. And it did actually turn into like a nightgown for one of my kids just for something to throw on at night. But uh, going back to the movie itself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're not dealing with like big budget tech here, but. It doesn't really matter, kind of. I mean, it, it, no, it's with like the characters, goes on a killing spree. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, it it's kind of like if you take it for what it's worth, especially watching it now in retrospect, because it probably comes off looking even more like dated with these types of robots. And <laughs> I, I just there's there's that one scene where it's like the gun battle versus the the robots with their lasers and it's it's kind of funny i mean i i think there's intended laughs in this movie and maybe some unintentional laughs from the movie but you know overall it, it flies by it's a quick wa- it's a quick watch got to reiterate that um you're you're in and out just maybe like you would be in the mall you know and uh i think it has high rewatchability um and it's i think this is a great one to throw on during like a movie marathon with friends it it just has all the things you would want in a horror movie so yeah chopping mall has been a favorite of mine for a while did i thought joe bob did an episode with chopping mall did he yeah. okay i want a riff tracks for chopping mall that would be awesome. Oh, they would have a field day with this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Kelly Maroney was a guest on that uh that Joe Bob episode. Yep. I she think was, so. She was she was on there. I don't I can't swear that it was for that movie, but it would make sense if she was. Yeah. Yeah, and weren't a couple of these uh actors in Night of the Comet did that already get mentioned? Kelly Maroney uh, and Mary Kelly Warren. Kelly Maroney and Mary Yeah, Warren. that's right. And yeah. Because, yeah, every time I watch that opening scene, I'm always like, hey, it's nice the Comet, folks. Featuring, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. All you need <laughs> is fucking uh, Julia Lewis's dad, dear, Jeffrey Lewis, and you have yeah. like, the, the whole trifecta. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, love, I love Dick Miller trying to, like, reason with the with the robot when it rolls up on him, mopping, like, hey, just <laughs> like, you know, I, I work here. Here's, a, here's my bed. <laughs> That's what I mean. They wasted the magic of Dick Miller. <laughs> I love the fact that when they electrocute him, you get that one second flash of his skeleton. Yeah. 
They don't do more than that because that would have been too much. But you just get this brief flash of the skeleton, it's like a yes. Yes. Cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> just, just in case you didn't realize we're electrocuting him, here's a shot of the skeleton really yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's probably a busy year for him. He's like, I gotta go do explorers now. See you later, Jim. I gotta go work for Joe. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love when the robots are tracking someone down or get angry. They kind of like flex out their tiny little robot arms, like yeah. you know, to show you that they're ma- almost like an old man waving his fist at the kids, like <laughs> just to let you know we're, we're getting angry with your actions, and we're gonna wave our arms around <laughs> in the most robot yeah. way possible. Was uh, when somebody, I think when Ferdy threw a uh, the gas tank at that one of the last robots, and the fucking robot picks it up and throws it right back at him. Yeah. I don't know why that tickled me so much, but it always has. I laugh out loud every time I see that scene. French fry us. <laughs> and why do the robots in this movie have to look at each other to communicate? You ever notice that? <laughs> they have to turn their head, look at each other, and then they speak. It's like they don't have ears. I think it gives them personality. <laughs> it humanizes them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. gotta look at people when I'm talking to them. You, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, it's totally just Jim Wernowski with his hands in the robot's head doing that, too. Oh, hell it's yeah. Like, but, uh, my favorite moments when the robot they thought they killed the first one and then he gets back up. He's like five minutes go trying to get back up and he just gets up. Everyone go to that third floor. Fuck this. Have a nice day. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Barbara Crampton as Susie did not learn in school to stop, drop, and roll when you're on fire. Oh, she was just an idiot when they got out of the vent, anyways. <laughs> Was, was I the only one who wanted to try a piece of barbecued Crampton? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that too dark? <laughs> and it's funny because she didn't even, like, at the point that she was dead, it didn't even look like she was, like, burned up enough to, like, be dead yet. I was like, uh, is she just sleeping now? Because she isn't, it looked like, I mean, obviously her clothes were burnt, but I was like, uh, I don't know. She still kind of looks like she could have some life in her. Yeah, it bothered me that when she fell, she just laid there waiting for death. It was like the scene from Austin Powers, like no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna get up. I'll wait for you to get to me and 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 barbecue me. Okay. Well, how about the the very first uh, in, in the very beginning when they first go crazy and they're chasing the girl when she goes to see where her boyfriend is, where there's cigarettes and they're chasing. She is running, not at all. I mean, nope. it's like the, it's the worst fake run I've ever seen. I'm like. <laughs> You're not even moving. (laughs) And she's actually acting like she's been running for miles. You know, (laughs) she's exhausted. She just can't do it anymore. It's been like 14 feet. (laughs) (laughs) Such a fun movie. It is fun. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely. We always have a good time. We forgive all its shortcomings. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the greatest uh, things this movie pulls off is it, it doesn't try to be anything other than what exactly you're seeing it's it's a it's a movie about killer security guard robots in a mall and it knows it and it's aware and it doesn't try to really do anything outside of that scope and it just try you know they attempted to make a fun horror movie and they pulled it off hell yeah jim warnowski man the man who made the better swamp thing movie that's right <laughs> I said it. Uh, 
I also like his remake of the giant Gila monster too, even though that's a little later one. Uh, the, the Gila this monster is Gila country best. Beware. <laughs> <laughs> you see it? <laughs> no, that's actually from um, uh, Mr. Science Theater. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, oh, the okay. Gila monster. Yeah, the Gila monster. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but if you watch Jim Warnowski's, it's kind of set during the time of St. Tiger. The, the Gila monster is cute as a button because it was uh, designed by Stephen Kyoto. <laughs> kind of looks like a big, giant puppy dog. <laughs> and, he, and he eats Kelly Maroney. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, so much fun. Oh, man. Some of the store names in this mall were great. Already, I, Obviously, I already said House of Almonds. Did you notice there's a clothing store in here called MAGA? Yeah. Fucking Trumpers. Always got to yeah. themselves everywhere. Yeah, but they were ahead of the curve. They were just back that. in 86. Maybe, maybe There's that's what they meant by make America great again. Like either? Make it like the mall and chopping mall. That's all they meant all along. There's oh. a juice stand in here called Crush Groove. Oh, come on. Yeah. Tell me that yeah. one. <laughs> I laughed at that. I noticed that this time. Yeah, Crush Groove. (laughs) Awesome. I would go to Crush Groove. (laughs) I would too and be like, yo, I'm listening to the Crush Groove soundtrack, drinking Crush Groove. This is awesome. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. And then my last piece of advice to the listeners if you ever find yourself in this situation, don't believe that mirrors can reflect laser blasts. (laughs) They cannot. (laughs) Nope. I understand understand that they're utilizing the uh, lack of knowledge that people had in 86 about lasers. It's not a big deal. But, yeah, watching those lasers reflect in the mirror now, holy shit. (laughs) Are you telling me that Tomb Raider is wrong? I'm pretty sure, yeah. (laughs) Tomb Raider do that? Uh, it, just about every game, there's there's one room where you got to move mirrors to reflect the lasers. Yeah, Yeah, good point. Um. (laughs) My piece of advice, if you ever find yourself in this situation, is find a place and fucking hide till morning. Why you yeah. gotta j- just yep. stay put? Just hide near some stairs. Yeah, haven't they, they seen Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, that one scene where the the one uh, kill bot was using the escalator, yeah, but you I, notice that they didn't show you the bottom half of, of the course. kill bot. Yeah. I'm always like, <laughs> how does he do that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he probably has a lock mechanism. That <laughs> robot is back on the escalator again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going up the escalator. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, fun fact for 86. There's another movie where the thing comes alive with lightning. What is that movie, Venom? Wait, one more time? I missed the question. There's another movie from 86 where the, the main thing comes alive with lightning. What is it? Oh, wait. Oh, well, Jason. Yep. Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm and looking terror. at the poster on my wall right now. And Terror Vision. Ah, Terror Vision. So fun. Uh, That's another guilty pleasure that I, I can't get enough of. <laughs> as silly as that movie is. That one, I used to love it when I was a kid, but I don't like it anymore. Like I just, uh-huh. I, it, No, it bores me now, but when I was a kid, I loved it. It is slower. That's true. It's definitely slower than Chopping Mall. But yeah. yeah. Which one? Uh, Terror Vision. Oh, Terror I love the song. <laughs> oh, the, the theme is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, the little yeah. kid, 
the little kid, ironically, uh, this actually connects to uh, Night of the Demons, is the same little kid in the beginning of that movie. I just wanted to feel your tits, sis. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest kid actor ever. <laughs> Wrong. But, uh, anyways, thanks, guys, for coming with me on this weird journey of movies that didn't make sense to combine them together, but kind of made sense because they're as old as me. <laughs> well, that uh, just lets you know that we're all older than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To varying degrees, I guess, but still all of us. You are the young man of the cast. Yeah. Normally uh-huh, and still today, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I did movies from the year I was born, I don't think people would recognize them. <laughs> well, seven, I like 1970. I don't even know. I got I, Texas Chainsaw, so... Oh, like 74 is an awesome year. Absolutely. I've got The Exorcist. Boom. <laughs> ah, even better. Yeah, 1970, I think, we, what, we got frogs, I think? Uh, oh, I, I love, love frogs. <laughs> if you guys watch my old review, I was stoned as all hell when I did the review of frogs <laughs> during the review. I was like, this movie's fucking awesome. It has Sam Elliott with no mustache, though. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you listen to our la- our not the last episode of Fresh Cuts, but the one before it, you can uh, you get to hear me very very stoned since the the episode was recorded on 420, and much to my dismay, my co-hosts couldn't postpone. So, yeah, stoned venom. Sorry. It's like, it's like this movie's fucking awesome, man. You no, know? I actually forgot the name of the movie at one point. I'm like, wait, what movie were we talking about again? <laughs> and Donald's like, come on, Venom. What do you mean? Good shit. City of the Living Dead was 1980, right? What's that? City of the Living Dead, 1980, I think. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, the Shining was 1980. Yeah, yeah, 80's a good year. Yeah, yeah, it's Friday the 13th, I think, or was that 81? First, no. 80, 80, first one. Part two is 81, yeah. Well, I'll stop bragging about my birth year. Yeah, really, shut up. <laughs> I mean, it also has humanoids of the deep, which is yeah, you could go either way. I'd probably end up just bringing hammer stuff if I did like the year of my birth. I, I could well, probably I find. Gonna, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say, oh, bird with a crystal plumage. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh, that was uh-huh. that. I just bought that. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap the discussion on these two movies that Derek picked for us. It's also gonna wrap up No More Room in Hell number thirty-one, but. Before we get out of here, let's find out where tonight's big cast uh, can be heard elsewhere. So I will start with you, Venom. Where else should people be listening to you? Uh, do I have to? Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you can hear me as far as our my Dark Discussion uh, podcast. That's going to be, of course, the show you're listening to right now. Uh, the sister show to this one, Fresh Cuts. Um, you can hear me on the movie commentary podcast. It's not horror. Okay. With, uh, uh, members of NFW and the Friday nightmares podcast are on that one with me in the mic of madness is currently on a hiatus. We literally did our first episode for dark discussions. And, uh, right after that, um, Rebecca had to go and take care of all her independent film projects that she works on. So we are on a little bit of a hiatus right now. Uh, that should be back hopefully sooner than later, fingers crossed. 
Um, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space is the only show I'm on that's not on Dark Discussions. That one is on the Legion Podcast Network. Look for that under the Kill the Cast banner. If you want to hear Derek and myself talking about the kaiju movies that we love and maybe even a couple that we don't, uh, check that out on Legion Podcasts. And I think that's all from me. Oh, no, Theme Warriors. We also got Theme Warriors. I keep forgetting about that because we just returned from an extended hiatus on that one. But our return episode has been out for about a month now. And hopefully sometime uh, this month we will be recording the next episode um, I believe the theme for that episode is going to be movies that have never had a physical release. So that's going to be an interesting one. We're definitely probably going to be pulling out four oddball movies. Um, you know, so good yeah, luck yeah, uh, I, finding those movies. <laughs> I think it's no physical release or at least no physical release beyond VHS, right? I, it's one of the two. I, I got to relook, but either way, it's going to be fun because we're going to have to okay. dig, dig for them. So that, that should be good. Yep. Um, all right. And then everything you mentioned that we do together, you've already mentioned, so I don't really need to repeat any of that. So I'll go over to Derek. What do you got, Derek? On a side note, if you wanted to do 1970 Venom, Andy Milligan released the body beneath. So there you go. You got some good trash down here. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, but anyways, cinema attack, uh, actually kind of, uh, like a, might be back in May. Because uh, one of my co-hosts had a wedding to go to. So the last episode that was out was our last video game episode, which guest starred Lacey Lou, where we did Rampage, Sonic the Hedgehog, and the Fever Dream that was Monster Hunter. If you want to know why I call it that, listen to that episode. Uh, they are here. Where we just finally returned after a hiatus. We did an episode that was out uh, recently where we did... Uh, Teresa's and Zombievas, and then uh, of course uh, we actually record next weekend where we're doing a found footage episode where we're doing catch or kill release and exists. Oh, kitty cat! It's Fester. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, catch or kill release and exists will be our next episode of that. And uh, then uh, I'm trying to remember all my podcasts I have. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Uh, uh, what's another one I have in? So, uh, no more room in hell, of course. Duh, duh. <laughs> you're on no more room in hell. Yeah, no, you're not. You lie. Imagine. Uh, wow, no, I, I never knew that. And of course, uh, underwater kaiju from outer space, like Venom said, is on a hiatus. But if you want to hear me compare kaiju's from their hand sizes and not having no hands at all. You know what they say about kaiju with big hands? They can't jerk off, right? You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check that out and look for our visions of Monsterland. And I'll just shout out a show that was released actually today. Uh, as you know, I'm actually starting a new series uh, with uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Bo Ransdale on Hero Hero Go Show, we're doing the One Miss Call trilogy over there, and I will be joining them for all three films. We released the first one today, where we did the original, directed by Takashi Miike. Uh, look for that on Legion Podcast Network. And, you know, I still do some teapot stuff. I'm actually, uh, do, we're almost done with the William Castle collection, uh, sadly. 
But uh, that's been an interesting journey with me and Duncan. So check out those episodes. I've been you, listening. Good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny how um, you guys end up talking about some pretty bad movies, but uh, like Thirteen Frightened Girls that uh, didn't. I mean, was it Thirteen? And there were actually a, no. There were it was Thirteen, and then there yeah, were like there were, fifteen yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah, and the whole movie's about him wanting to fuck Murray Havel, like a thirteen-year-old girl wanting to fuck Murray Havelham. It was so bizarre. Uh, listen to that show to find out more about that. But that's about it for me right now, guys. Okay. Well, uh, Brian and Jamie, um, I know you've done stuff in the past. I don't know what you got out there going on right now, but uh, the floor is yours if there is anything for you to let the listeners know about. So um, go ahead. Well, uh, first of all, like I said, I was gonna, I'm was gonna i going to be on an upcoming episode of Kiss the Goat that records this week, so I'm excited about that. That's um, awesome. We do have, uh, next month, we have our third installment of the A24 show that I'll be recording with Bo and Duncan on the podcast Under the Stairs. Of course, there's a summer series coming up. I'm always very active in the summer series. Um, I have 2012 and 2019. Uh, and then I teased an announcement on our Facebook group page for ABCs uh, that I was going to make on this show. So um, that that announcement is, and I also kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier when I said, if you listen to the final episode of the ABCs of Hidden Horror, the Z episode, well, if anybody who keeps track of that show... Um, mm-hmm they would know that that episode was never released. And (laughs) so they're probably going, what the hell are you talking about? I couldn't listen to that episode. Uh, Well, that's because it is going to be released. And um, we are putting it out. Uh, We're going to be putting it out. um, Still haven't quite figured out exactly how to work it yet, but um, we're going to be using Anchor, so it's going to be an independent thing. And then... Uh, Brian and I are making an announcement on that episode that actually will tell you something about what's going on in the future with us. So there mm. are there are things happening in the future, um, and I go into I go into more detail uh, on a very lengthy <laughs> announcement on that episode that that goes into uh, very detailed information. So there's that. So I'm kind of excited that. That that episode is finally going to be coming out. Zombievers. Yeah, we have uh, on that episode is Zombievers. Like I mentioned earlier, my my choice was zombie, and um, Dave's choice was Z. Um, <laughs> Big surprise. And that, as in the name the name of the Ghostbusters uh, siren sound Z. No. And, <laughs> As in that the recent film with on um, Shutter, I think, print. right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Or, or was it Netflix? Was it Shutter? No, it's Shutter. Shutter, Shutter, okay. Shutter, Shutter, yeah. Um, only the uh, that review does not exist. So, <laughs> uh, is oh. it really kind of sad that on the Z episode, the review for Z is by put forth by Dave Z is um, not. There, it it uh, goddamn gremlins. Yeah, 
it was it was uh, I, there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do to save it. So unfortunately, it's not there. But the other two are, and we do a we do we kind of indulge ourselves a little bit, the three of us, because we knew it was going to be our last episode together. So we just kind of talk about all kinds of random stuff, and it's a it's a fun it's a fun time. So I hope everyone will. Uh, check that out. I'll drop well, it on the ABC's page when it comes out. Well, I'll, I'll definitely listen, yo, because zombies my favorite horror film, and I love zombievers. Zombie. <laughs> there you go. You better listen anyway. I beat you up. I know <laughs> you will. <laughs> you yes. made me cry in my last episode. The the the, the black coat's daughter one. You know. Aww. <laughs> Do you know how many people? I got messages from who told me that they made that you, I made you, them cry, and it was all men. <laughs> you made Doug cry on the air. I know, and that's unreal. Uh, he uh, he has no emotion, so that you, was uh, that was a very special moment. You you were really like he's like Jim, and you're Brandon. And you made... <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't have to die to get him to cry, though. Uh, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's true. Thing. Thank God. <laughs> no, just my dad did. Oh. <laughs> I don't mind. All right, that sounds really harsh. That was it was fourteen years. It's my birthday, guys. Can we at least end on a happy singing happy birthday at least? Come on. Come on. It's your birthday and we want you to have fun. It's I'll, your I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Really? Awesome. That is my new way to sing happy birthday now, so it is. Oh, it's epic. Love it. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian and Jamie, thank you guys for coming back. It's always a blast. Oh, feel free to come back anytime. And bring, bring Fester with too. you. Yeah. That was Wednesday. <laughs> we have so many. <laughs> we have pretty much the entire cast of the Adams family. <laughs> I think this was your guys' third time on, which I probably. If it was under different conditions, I think I was talking to Brian about this. Normally, if, if someone's coming back for a third time, I would have said, okay, you guys get to pick the movies. The only reason I didn't this time is because it was kind of like a last minute. I think it was like already halfway through the week, and I just kind of threw it out to Jamie. Not think, oh, you know, I fully expected her to be like, oh, yeah, well, we would, but, you know, whatever, because it was the same weekend no, coming up. He, it wasn't genuine. He didn't want us on yeah. the show. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Then when I accepted, he was like, oh, God shit. damn it. I was like, oh, man, I got to break the news. Like, okay. I was going to be able to, to pass up a show where Brian would get to legitimately talk about chopping <laughs> off without trying to shoehorn it into every other conversation but, we have. But the only thing that matters now is. You choose what episode you choose the movies, and we'll make it happen. Brian's like, we're talking about Chopping Mall again. <laughs> Is there a spiritual sequel to Chopping Mall? Yeah, it's called Evolver. Uh-oh. And it stars the guy who played Q from Star Trek The Next Generation, and it's amazing. And it's the story of Derek's life. It is. It's, uh, they're all based on my life. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but anyways, thanks guys for coming back. It's always a blast, and of course, it's it's always good to get with my uh, original co-host. So, thank you. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's always a good yeah. time. Guys. We genuinely. This is love technically uh, evil episodes episode hundred and something. 
<laughs> all right, we just got to go into Monster Season 3 now and we get it all over with. <laughs> It'll happen when hey, we Hey, we can talk about the new Dexter. Oh, that's it's right. Yeah, uh, is I'm, coming. I'm still having a fucking flashback. American that. Horror Story expanded to like the uh, episode by episode anthology, so it's all like coming full circle, it seems like. I'm having still having flashbacks to that Mandrake episode of Monsters that you guys made me watch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a long list of uh, un, uh, unsatisfied guests of uh, the many anthology episodes of different shows uh, we had them watch, and probably like, like horrible VHS rips of them too. So, yeah, yeah, uh. the good old days. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to No More Room in Hell number 31. Uh, we will probably catch you in two to three weeks like normal and uh, bring you some discussions on other horror movies with a theme I do not know yet. Do not know what the picks will be, but hopefully something fun, at least in the least. Uh, but with that said, we're going to get out of here. The Lake of Fire is calling us again. So it's time to say uh, bye to the listeners. Everyone say goodnight. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> bye to the listeners. Hey, O'Mel Fader. <laughs> TTFN. <laughs>